Individually, they are a force to be reckoned with. But when they join together, they become Unplugged Radio. Prepare to be swept off your feet as Greg Person, the lover, takes the stage. But wait, what illusion is this? It is no trick. It is Jake Hutton, magician, for your viewing pleasure. Look out! The sensational sensei himself, Mike Rossi, warrior on display. Bow down and grovel at his feet as John Vanas, king, utters his decree. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Unplugged Radio. I'm your host, Greg. I'm your host, John. I'm your host, Mike. The one who sings. That's me. Singing home. <laughs> Welcome to the musical episode. <laughs> there it is. Unplanned, unscripted. That's right. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to sing the entire time. Uh, but what if you did? But what if I did? Uh, well, didn't you sure. and Peyton play a game one time where you were both going to sing? Sing the entire time. We yeah. we did. We did. Yep. Oddly enough, I said a lot of words and he didn't sound say many (laughs) i totally embraced it but he was mostly whistling right Um, exactly anyway how y'all doing tonight not bad how about you good yeah we uh, busy with life stuff so it's good to take a break and record an episode of uh my favorite podcast with oh your favorite my favorite people Oh. There it is. Wow. Yeah, there it right. is. Laying it out there. Feeling is mutual. So what have you been up to since last we spoke? In the hobby. That's right. Well, John's hobby in the wise, like yeah, he's, he's <laughs> Hobby-wise, I've, I've doubled the number of games I've played with my new Dwarf Army, which is to ah. say I've, I've now played two games. Wow. <laughs> Feeling like a pro. Um, How did they go? Tell they me more, well. tell me more. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a 1995-point list because that's the points value for the upcoming Unplugged GT, mm-hmm. uh, which is the preferred points value of distinguished Kings of War generals everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It is the best points value. And, um, that's right. You know, it's got a balance of shooting and melee oriented units and it's the first time really i've played kings of war with a significant um ranged phase and it's very nice to have that um you know it is a little bit one of those things where already in in two games like i had the first game i played and turn one the uh, shooting was below average and it kind of let me down and then the second game, the shooting was a little above average, and it was amazing. So there are definitely going to be lots of highs and lows of riding that wave. But yeah. The thing about the range phase that I've already learned is, like, even when you do kind of tank it, it's like, well, they're not countercharging you. You know, it's yeah, not, your units especially don't in those die necessarily. opening turns. It's not, yeah, it's not like I charged you with my big cavalry hammer and I whiffed, and now I'm gonna die uh in return 
Um, but it can be, you know, definitely making things difficult because you don't have as many units to fight melee, um, depending on what your opponent's list has. And, you know, because of the limited mo mobility of the army, right, it, it could then allow your opponent to kind of get into a position that you can't uh, move them from. It's been good. The second game we played on the clock, and I did time out on fa turn five. We went to okay. six, and I, I played it anyway. We, we had agreed beforehand, you know, play. It's good to know you ran out of time. Yeah, uh, yeah right. because it, like, it's just rolling a lot of dice because of that. Like, I'm so used to the opening turns just being maneuvering and, you know, with like forces of nature, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm casting surge perhaps or heal. But right. that doesn't take a whole lot of time. And with ogres, I have a little bit of, like, shooting, which is kind of just, like, uh, an afterthought. Like, maybe I'll take off a piece of chaff or wave or something. You know, it's not right. a concentrated thing. So, so it's good. Uh, I'm learning the stats of my units and going to hopefully not time out at the actual GT. <laughs> I can't imagine you would. <laughs> To be honest, I mean, it's a couple rounds with it and you get it figured out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. It's not like you're a, a, a new player or somebody who has analysis paralysis uh, during during the games usually. So you'll, you'll figure it out and get into a groove. Right. right. I think part of it, too, is just like deploying a new army. So I, mm -hmm. I definitely spent longer deploying than I would like to in an actual. When you guys are playing in a uh, tournament game. What do mm -hmm. you set a budget for yourself for deployment? Do you have like a, a time where you you think, oh my gosh, I'm burning too much clock in deployment here? Um, I don't, but uh, I either am okay. So I come in two modes, right? The first is the dwarf, so I know what I'm doing. I'm like these guys here, this goes here, this goes here, those go over there. I look at a table and I know kind of what I'm doing with the army, or. I'm taking an army I've never used before. I have maybe three play practice games, and I go, well, we're going to line up and go that way. Right. And that's about it. So either way, like there are times to your point, John, when I will have one unit where I'm like, okay, I got to make a decision on this guy. Cause it'll matter if I put him in the wrong spot, redeploying this guy is impossible. Right. right? And those units, I will usually give a couple, like a literally, like it's almost like I'll give it a whole minute just to make sure that I have it right. You know what I mean? But yep. and it doesn't bother me too much. Cause I play pretty quick once the game starts. So if I have to make a deliberate decision, I would rather think it out in the beginning, you know? Totally. Greg, do you, do you have a, a similar thought process? To a certain extent, I mean, it, it's a little tough to say. Like, with my ogres and my forces of nature, I've played those enough that, like, nature is a very... I deploy a refused flank. I know about halfway through deployment how that's going to go. I kind of have to keep certain units near each other because they rely on supporting each other. And right. it's not a secret to my opponent that, oh, you know, the Gladewalker Druid is going to go near the Earth Elementals and the Greater Earth Elemental and yeah, the Greater right. Air Elemental. Like, wow, right. who would have thunk it? Um, whereas my Ogres, because I have so many drops, that's a reactive deployment. So I'm throwing out like the Red Goblin Scouts and... Uh, other like chaff pieces uh, early and then I'm like okay now I know how I'm going to commit this uh, but I do kind of just keep an eye I'm like if I notice that like three minutes have gone by I start to be like hmm 
maybe I need to go faster on deployment. <laughs> that's yeah, right. that's generally where I'm at. I try to set myself an early game budget, um, and this is just a you know a rule of thumb. Um, but if I get stuck on a unit, I'll like be okay spending the time up to my budget because I know like mentally what I've prepared for, and I want to spend less than five minutes on deployment. Yeah, and I'm willing to spend up to five minutes if I need to really think through the position or like how am I going to deal with this terrain element that's in my way or how am I going to get to that objective and defend it or whatever. But I, I really, if I'm starting to get up to five minutes, I'll start rushing those decisions so that I have more time in the game. Yeah, right. it's, it's very conscious on my part. I'm watching that clock for the five minutes. And the other thing that I watch out for is turn one. I try not to spend more than 10 minutes on turn one, too. Sometimes, really? depending on the type mm -hmm. of army you're playing, especially the alpha strikey ones, you do a lot of moving up and setting up for the your like attack round of the next turn. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I definitely don't want to burn too much clock in that, but I recognize that sometimes you do need to spend some time in there. So for me, it helps to mentally have that as a guide of uh, where I'm going to spend my time. I can see that. So sorry, Greg, that was a, a little side target, but you... you no, but it's a good question, it. though, right? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's it. The games were good. Uh, I'm hopefully going to get realistically one more in before the event um another game on the clock i think will just help me to feel ready to go and and then yeah we'll 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 dive in um you know trial by fire in uh painting news i've been working on the armada fleet ooh nice that i mentioned last episode i had just uh got my hands on it so it's total of four ships built all four of the ships I have painted three of them. They look good, and, too. Uh, thank you. I appreciate cool. that. I am going to be working on the fourth soon enough. I was really excited. Uh, these are the Northern Alliance slash Varanger uh, Armada fleet. So it's the starter fleet, uh, which has three ships, which are, uh, I just refer to them as small, medium, large, because <laughs> they are of varying sizes. And then I also picked up Extra Large. Um, it's called Northern Alliance Goose, I think. B-U-S-S-E. Okay. Um, and that one is gigantic. Bus, yeah. Um, it, it actually kind of surprised me how big the large and the extra large ships were, I thought. Because not having seen these things in person, I thought, oh, the ships are going to be kind of small. No, these are giant. In the um, game, they have something like 70, 80 wounds. They're, they're quite quite large to take out yeah i think they're definitely uh you know the size of the model does definitely directly correlate to its uh chonkiness on the tabletop yeah um yeah i think the the sculpts are really nice i was not a happy camper when I was putting the models together, I'll be honest. And I think this might be a problem that's unique to these specific ships. If okay. you, I, I don't, I don't know anything about terminology related to ships, so I can't use the accurate language to describe this, but if you just look at the pictures of them, um, like the, the small and the medium ships have two sails. And then the large and the extra large ships have three sails. And okay. 
the front of them are, are like the same. There's like a big sail that's like facing forward. And then there, and it's very simple. It just, it's on like a wooden mast and it just sticks in no problem. And these are resin, by the way. And then the, the front sail is like at this weird angle and it connects at these very delicate, like it's triangular shaped. And so uh. it connects at very delicate like points at the end of each triangle at like the top of the mast and then on the middle of the other sail and then on the like front of the ship, which for the larger ones has some sort of emblem, like a dragon head, or something like that. And it is not easy uh, to get it together. And it definitely makes me concerned about the feasibility of, um, pun intended, I guess, shipping these ships. <laughs> because oh, I had wow. mentioned yeah. I, that this is for uh, the charity raffle, and I want to open this up uh, to people who are outside of my immediate geographical location. Right. But I do want to caution that, um, I'm, I would package these things as well as possible, but there is a pretty significant chance, I think, that they would uh, sustain some damage. And I, it, like, I don't think it would be the type of thing where, you know, it, the piece isn't delicate. It's not going to break in half where it's not supposed to come apart. But it will um, but be just, reassembled. It might have to be reassembled. And just yeah. the way that goes on is just not nice. And it... The design looks cool. It looks very nice once you have it assembled and you have it painted up. It's just like, man, it's tricky. And then, so then I was looking at the other fleets and I was like, well, the other ships don't have stuff like this. <laughs> Maybe I just like, you know, I happened to pick the one that is um, the biggest pain in the butt to get together. Jeez. Uh, My other... My other complaint, and then I, I'll only say positive things after this. So I, I didn't love the experience of putting it together. I don't love assembling models in general. There wasn't a lot in terms of like mold lines or flash that was easy to clean up. And the way that it joins together, it looks nice. There aren't like gaps to fill. Uh, but the other problem is that when you look at the sails, which are large, they're the largest feature of the ship, and they're supposed to be smooth, but they have what looks like fingerprint texture in them, like whorls. Um, and you can hide that to a certain extent with painting, but not completely. And so it becomes a thing where from a table, you know, eyes view a few feet away, you can't tell, looks great, but you hold it right up a few inches from your face and you're like, oh yeah, it's got this texture that should right. be there. Yeah, actually, I, uh, what was that building? I think it was the Abyssal Warlock kit, maybe? Um, it's the same thing. It's got fingerprint texture modeled. And it's just like, oh, in the days of 3D sculpting and stuff, like, we're still, we're still doing that? <laughs> For new models? Right. Really? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. So, but I will say, like, overall, and I mean, you guys saw, uh, I will eventually post pictures of this stuff <laughs> online. Um, but I think they look pretty good. And the most fun part for me actually has not been 
just painting the models, but doing the bases and using um, Vallejo water texture for the first time. And it's it's been a fun experience, and I really think it adds a lot to the overall look. Of Could you the describe model. what you did with the water texture, Greg? Yeah, yeah, of course. Please. So I've got two different um, products here. Let me uh, Google it so I can tell you exactly which ones I have. That's not. Oh. <laughs> that's not the one i googled it and it's like vallejo's actual website but it's not a list of like their different uh water that's the things. wrong kind of lubricant what? Yeah, what what is this okay so vallejo iorama effects it says water texture acrylic and it's mediterranean blue they have different shades of blue there's atlantic mediterranean pacific um they're all slightly different um, and then I also got the uh, Vallejo Water Effects Foam Texture, which is supposed to be like, you know, the foam spray that's like at the crest of yeah. the wave. Right, um, right. So when you open the bottle and you, you put some out onto your palette, you need to use like an old paintbrush or like a putty knife. It is, um, you know, it's not watery. It's not runny. It's kind yeah. of like... It's kind of like uh, melted jello. <laughs> like it's somewhere between jello and white glue. Um, and so it has like a pretty long working life, which is nice. It takes up to 24 hours to fully cure, like to dry. So you just kind of, and it, it's very blue when you take it out, like shockingly blue. Um, but it dries uh, mostly translucent. So you okay. do have to paint the base underneath. So I painted like a darker blue underneath. You, and then, did you use the just the MDF bases that came with the ships? Yeah, I just used the MDF base that came in the box. Okay. So, you know, that had been primed black. Then it's painted blue. The ship is already on it. Uh, and I used like my old like Citadel green stuff tool. If you can imagine that, like the the side that's more of a blade. Um scoop some up and kind of spread it on into a thin but you know significant layer and then using that um blade kind of like pushed it into making little waves in certain areas not like overwhelmingly so but a couple waves here and there um and you want to get the texture like right up against you know the ship itself and so then i let that dry which takes yeah, about a day. And it goes from being shockingly blue to being almost completely clear. Um, but it has, you know, a, a very, it has a sheen to it. It looks wet. And then you... And it still has a blue, a blue... It has a blue tint, though, right? Yeah, so it adds like, adds some variety in the color because there's a darker blue underneath. And then depending on, there's different areas with different levels of thickness of how it was applied it right. kind of changes the tones of the blue on it. And then I went back with the the foam which is in a little a smaller bottle that looks more like a traditional like Vallejo dropper bottle and you squeeze some of that out and that is a similar thing but it dries way faster and it's super white and it it stays pretty white when it dries. And that's um, also kind of thick, right? It's thick and I applied that with a small um paintbrush but not one that i was actively using like an old size one brush that 
is out of commission um, and just kind of like put it on to the crest of waves and kind of put it around um, the front and the back of the ship, like where it's, you know, slicing through yeah. the water, essentially. Right, we're just going it's through the water. Checking yep. up mm-hmm. some spray. And right. what's kind of cool about that is you can, um, you can wipe it off. So if you put some in the wrong spot, it's very easy to just wipe, take a different brush and like wipe off the excess before it dries. And you can also dilute it a little bit with water and make it less white. So if you wanted to do an area, which I wouldn't on this this particular base, but you wanted to do an area that was kind of murky or there was like a whirlpool kind of effect, you could definitely um, pull that off. And that dried quickly, like within 15 minutes, I would say. So it was a fun process to experiment with, and, and I, I think it definitely adds a lot to the overall look of the miniatures did you have to seal it afterwards at any uh varnish or anything like that or did you did add any varnish? I, I i applied matte varnish to the ships themselves but i didn't do any varnishing or sealing of the water texture from what i read it i was reading like a couple different tutorials that people posted online none of them yes. had mentioned doing that so okay Cool. Well, I, I, I've seen the pictures and um, they came out really cool. I think they're great. I agree. Um, yeah. If you're going to win the raffle, um, the charity raffle, I think you'll really enjoy them and uh, great job with it. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I am so, one, I love that water effect, period. Right. So I'm super glad that you went for that. Right. Because I think it adds so much to like the basing of the ships, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, just I saw those pictures too, and they are really nice. You, you're doing as always, man. You did a fantastic job. You know? Thank you. No, Greg, I don't. I don't think you've played Armada, but Mike, have you played the actual game? I played it. Um, I've only played it once, sadly. Okay. But I remember loving it. Like I yeah. played it, and I was like, I totally can see where this is great. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've played a handful of games, and I, I think it's really fun too. I actually have a fleet on the shelf that I haven't um, painted yet, but that's you know it's on my agenda. Sweet. Cool. What have you guys been up to? So I'll go next for hobby because it's relatively quick. I went to uh, I went to the pilgrimage, which was awesome, and I think uh, I got some recordings when I was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of the people, and the nice thing at the pilgrimage was cool. We had um, uh, Jeff Trache and uh, Ken, the Australian master, was there too, and so we ended up. You know, I got a chance to talk to them as well uh, over the weekend, and just you know, they are really good dudes. You know what I mean? Just it was it was super cool. But did that? I ended up taking uh, the Ewok army, and it performed as poorly as I thought it was gonna. Um, <laughs> right? um, Oops. Yeah, you know what are you gonna do? Uh, but it, you know, the the games were fun. But there's just something about you run in. Sometimes you destroy what you touch, and sometimes you bounce. And when you bounce, there's, the army has no staying power. Did, did you so. talk at all about? I don't know if you talked on here about last time what the list was right because it's it's not there's actually no ewok army in kings of war yeah right yeah, he so, did uh, yeah. he went over it so, okay uh, okay but, right, yeah yep talked about it at the, uh, at the last one it list. was yes it was a it was essentially a herd list and uh the you know a lot of tribal spears and uh guardian brutes um and so you know there it, it was fun to play um but it was just it was uh a good way of putting it it was annoying 
because um, I'm used to, you know, I'm used to a certain play style where yeah, I expect the dwarves not to kill anything. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I expect it. With this army, I'm like, I'll go in, I'll pop this unit, I'll turn the face. And like every time I would go in and miss it by two or one or something. And then inevitably the counter charge would just take everything off. You know, even the big, even the giant units, right? I mean, the, the, the horde of tribal spears with the plus one to hit, you know, it just didn't, it didn't really quite, didn't didn't quite, quite cut the mustard. And, you know, once again, I don't know whether that's user error or just something with the army. I mean, I'm sure if I gave that list to Keith Conroy, he'd kill everybody with it, right? I mean, it's, you know, comes to comes to me not having enough. Um, not enough reps not enough with practice. it, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, but, reps, reps matter. Yeah. I totally do. Yeah. Right, but anyway, uh, yeah. you, you uh, I saw you like bought some um new paints too, right? Did you buy some, sure did. some hobby supplies? Yeah, got yep, got some paints, got some hobby supplies. I'm all set and ready to go. My uh, cheaters came in uh to the eye doctor today. I'm gonna pick those up. I uh, uh, Harry gave me another box of uh 3D prints for the air, the uh, the elementals that I'm doing. So I'm super, I'm super charged and ready to go. To be Ooh. honest, yeah, pretty happy. Pretty happy, all things considered. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling good and uh, ready to start some hobby. Um, anyway, is this, also, how many Earth Elementals are in that agenda? There is it like two hordes worth or one horde worth or what? Yeah, the... he's got. I've got. Um, I've got eight of those, and I've got uh, twelve tree. Um, you know, uh, four shambler types. Yep. Type minis. Yep. So that's good. And then, cool. uh, yeah, pretty happy with it. The other thing I got going is I have um, I wrote another article for Dash Twenty Eight. Uh, this one about um, uh, the last one I did was about like rules questions that came up at uh, at Dead one of the local tournaments. Yeah, at Dead of Winter, right? And about how I ruled on them and what the rules say. Yep. And then uh, I was able to get uh, some rules questions that came up at Riddle of Steel, and I was able to talk to Britton Williams about what you know how he how he ruled those, um, which was cool. And then, uh, so that's coming out. And those two questions had to do with like lightning bolt uh, cover and hills and how they work in yeah. relation to like where a unit is on the hill. So I find that like those are good rules questions to write about because if they come up at a tournament, these are the people that nominally know the game the best, right? And so right. if those are coming up at that juncture, then they're legitimate questions, right? That need to kind of like. Be figured yeah, out. there. Well, you know? I think if there's a theme, I mean, I, I read, I read your articles, right? So if yeah. there's a theme running through those, I think it's that the answer to the rules question is unfortunately spread across seven different pages in six yeah, different dude. sections. So right. it's not, it's there's never just a clear answer. It's like you have to kind of read in between the lines about how cover versus obstacles versus your movement, and it's never just in one place. And that's the yeah. that's I think that's an organizational issue with the, the structure of the rules. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think there's totally a missing, you know, a, a missing trick there when it comes to like rules clarity. Right. Like you know, cover, thing. right. Like the cover, the cover is a great example. Cover could be covered in one section. What constitutes shooting penalties? Like it should either be all in the penalty section or all in the cover section or all in the movement. I don't know. Like I get it when you're moving, it says, if you move, do you take this penalty? But when I, when I want to go see what my shooting penalties are, I just want them in a list. All in front of me, right? One and one right. spot, exactly. Could be please, right? Could be please. So yeah, there's there's some of that, and then, but anyway, that's that's. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think that the 
they could be streamlined, right? I'll leave it at that, you know? Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's okay. But that's what I've been up to, you know? And then uh, getting ready for um, trying to put a list together for Unplugged. Um, you know, getting ready to essentially try an ogre list using some of um, some, some of Russ's, taking one of Russ's armies to the, to the event. So that'll be good. Yeah. How about you, John? What do you got? I have been, I've been playing some Kings of War. Um, played a couple of games. I haven't, you know, I'm not playing it uh, Unplugged GT, so I don't have anything to pre- I'm preparing for, and I'm going to miss Orktown this year, unfortunately. So I'm not, oh, I don't have any uh, near-term GT, right? So um, I'm playing with some of the local guys just playing because they're they're getting ready for Unplugged GT. So I, you know, I whipped up a list for that. Trying to get comfortable with the Empire of Dust enough so that maybe I can bring them to a GT in the fall, which will probably be the next one I get to attend. Um, you know, so just... 1995 isn't the point size, uh, but I want to be comfortable using the units, and so that's what I'm running right, on there. Right. So it's like, um, you know, the list I'm running is lacking some things, but I think that's what I would add to it to at, at 2,300 points. Um, and I feel pretty comfortable that now that I understand it better, I think I'll do okay at 2,300 points with this army. So, sure. So that kind of makes me feel good. Um, and the games have been fun. We've been playing at a new local game. It's not new. I mean, this game store has been around for a while, but we haven't been playing there. Really trying Maybe to get like a, like a Tuesday night game league going. League, I say league. I mean, just like we're around playing Kings of War. And uh, I was there the other day. I was playing against um, John. And the owner of the store, I think he's the owner, one of the owners, manager, whatever he is. He came over and he was checking out our game. He was asking about some of the units. And he was like, uh, yeah, I started, I started building a halfling army for Kings of War. And I was like, Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. So we'll play whenever yeah. you're whenever you're ready for a game. <laughs> um, so that was kind of that was kind of nice. I That's think actually people, really cool. It's like it's like Tuesday nights is like their forty k night, but because there's a bunch of people in the store, you know, they see us playing games. Come over, check it out. Look at the painted models, right. like this stuff, and they're like, "Oh, some people even said, oh, I I used to play, you know, back when, or my friend plays, or whatever." Um, so there's there's. I don't, want, I don't want to be too aggressive saying there's interest, but there's, um, you know, people know what the game is and some people are, yeah. are lightly interested in playing. So we'll see where it goes. I think, I think the the presence of being at the store is important. Like you just don't, you don't run into people if you're not there. So no, you have to, right. You have to play in a public place. And yeah. I know you guys have done like the de- the demo days and the rules days and, and right. that's great. That's great as well. Um, yeah, because it, again, which, it's got that it's that public interface, right, where people can see right. It. Which actually, I do, I do want to mention, like we had a we had a, a learn to play day um, last weekend over at the store that the horde ran, and we had um, four new players, um, and one of them, I mean, two that were totally new to the game, and one that was totally new to gaming, Gee. right? Like it only yeah. played D and D, and was like, so this is like, how does this work? I'm like, it's very similar to like action surge. He's like, oh, that's cool, <laughs> right? Anyway, so like. <laughs> So, but we had, um, we had a guy show up, uh, from North of Springfield and he's like, yeah, I got a group of like four guys out there and I just came out here to check you guys out. I was like, well, what do you think? Right. <laughs> you like what you're saying? Right. So yeah. but he, he was, uh, he was super stoked. I mean, he, he, he left there and he was, he was hot to trot. And I said, well, you know, just, just so you know, 
you know, there's an event going on, you unplug GT, and I think they got a hold of you. Um, now, they, you know, they're really new, yeah. right? So, you know, they're, they, they're going to be coming with some unpainted stuff, but... Yeah, they contacted me, and they were like, you know, we're we're new to the game, but we'd love, we just, you know, we just want to play and, like, learn to be part of the community and stuff. I was like, all right, bring your, bring your unpainted models. Just, you know, I would, at a, at a GT level, it's part of what makes a GT a GT, but at the same time, like, I don't want to be an asshole like or an elitist about it to the point of like no i'd rather not build the community so that i can enforce this rule on you you know right. what i mean so i said i said just bring your stuff man Let, let's come come play let's let's meet have a good time um, and and so, yeah. you know you would hope it, it has the effect where they come and play and they're like oh man look at how great these fully painted armies look fighting it out Agreed. on the tabletop together i'm right. super motivated to you know finish my army up so next year i too can have a fully painted yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's it, no it, joke exactly you know i'll give them a they'll you know they'll they'll lose on the paint score and that and they're like right because I'm not going to I'm not going to penalize the other people that did paint their armies. No, agreed, totally um, agreed, right? And, so, and that's totally fine though. Like they're they they get it. They're not you know planning on coming to to beat face and win games anyway. Um, right. More about just the experience and kind of being part of the community. So yeah, they're they're yeah. they're good with it. And um, two of them signed up. So uh, you know, we'll see if they actually like get their armies together. But <laughs> right? that's 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 the goal is that they're going to be coming. So I really I really do hope they show the guy the guy I played uh, Dan. He was. He was a good dude. I mean, he was just really just very pleasant and yeah, very interested in what was going on. I think that, to be honest, I mean, to your point, Greg, I think it, if a well-run event is inspiring, right? So you go and you see right. not just the, you know, you see the level of art, but you also see the level of play. And then right, you see yeah. just the fact that, like, you can play competitively and not argue, right? <laughs> Which right. is not small in right. and of itself, you know? So, so you know, I, that I is, do, that's cool. Greg, do you know if he's because isn't Chris Dwan also from um, the Springfield area? I'm not sure exactly where he's located. He's he's from the UK, but he's here. Uh, he's um, somewhere in Massachusetts, right? He, I, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think he's at UMass. I'm not sure which one. UMass Amherst is what I yeah, automatically I so. default yep. to. Oh, um, okay, yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, so maybe we should connect them though, because they're they may be close close to each other. To each other. Perhaps, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll anyway. That's just a couple of weeks away. So we'll we'll meet them at the Unplug GT and and see uh so we can get them connected. Yeah, anyway, so cool. that's so that was um that's that. I've also been playing uh a lot of Grim Dark Future with my son, which has been really fun. He's that's um, awesome. He's seven, right? No, he's six. He hasn't turned seven yet. <laughs> <laughs> um and we've been playing kill team a lot we play like rules light version of kill team like easy on the scenarios and objectives and stuff like that but like core mechanics he's got that all down and he, he decided you know dad i think i'm ready to step up to like a full-size war game and he's got this kind of cocky said ways dead it's a full-size game um so all right i mean let's let's do grim dark future then because it's it's a lot more lightweight um and so we did a first game with like 750 points like small game had like three units each he did it on a smaller table so that he could reach everything small arms you know um and he did great he loved it so we played some more games we put a couple more model uh units on there and he thinks it's awesome that the models the units like sorry the models and the units like stay together in a formation and they can all move and um just been having a lot of fun with that really 
playing um and gdf is a great game because me and him can play a full-size game in like an hour you know you you could definitely do it in 45 minutes if you were two adults doing it sure um so really really fun with that which has been great um and the other thing is i started painting a new army this past week um i I think i I posted some of the pictures i had this um actually since dead of winter right i won some kind of award at dead of winter last year and i bought with the prize money some kind of well an army box of sisters of battle okay and i brought it home and it sat on the shelf and stared at me and i wanted it like i, I i've always wanted to have a sisters of battle army and i was excited about it and for over a year it sat there staring at me and the only reason i never put it together is that i could not decide what color to paint them Oh, I remember mm-hmm. you talking about this. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm just, I was in, I was in color choice paralysis of like, I don't want to screw it up. What if I pick the wrong color? I want a color that's easy to paint. Like I don't want to spend five years painting the army. So then so it, John embarked on a process whereby he painted an army's worth of kill teams in a variety of colors so he could find the right, right? scheme. <laughs> like, clearly, right. You're not wrong. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I probably painted a hundred models, <laughs> experimenting with all kinds of different color schemes and basings. Um, and I, uh, none of them gave me what I wanted. So I finally decided I just have to pull, pull the trigger and put these sisters of battle together and do this. And so I assembled one of the units and then it sat there for a couple weeks while I stared at it. I'm still, I still <laughs> couldn't decide. Um, I said, John, I, I've got like at the book. I'm showing the book to my wife. I'm like, wife, what do you think of these colors? You know, <laughs> running. Uh, you know, I've got like a like a, a chat going with some guys. I'm like, what if I this color? What about this color? And I finally decided that I'm going to paint them white and purple. And I experimented with some different products too. Purple. Like, wow. Well, white white is not a particularly easy color to paint. So I was no, like, I need hard man. Yeah. I know. So I needed a white color that I felt I could I could pull off at a reasonable mm-hmm. pace. Um, so I experimented with a couple of different white prop paint products. Um, and I ended up going with white armor with purple cloaks. Not, not all of them have okay. cloaks and not all of them have armor, but that's the general idea of the theme. Sure. And I painted up a character as a test piece. It only took me about two hours to paint the, to paint the model. And it was also experimenting with the colors. I'm like, oh, that's probably took longer than it, than it would have uh, if I was doing an assembly line. And I think it came out pretty, it's not perfect, but I think it came out pretty good, good enough for me to move forward with the project. And so just last night, I finished the first squad of sisters and I'm, I'm reasonably happy with the result. It, um, I ran into some problems with some of the products I used. Um, I didn't like some of the colors. I, so like a normal sister of battle, it's like a space Marine kind of, but it's a woman. Um, and so they usually have armor and then they might have some doodads on them. The unit yeah. that I painted though, they're like initiates. They're not really full sisters of battle yet. So not a lot of doodads, but just a lot of armor. No, not a lot of armor, more doodads. Right. Oh, really? <laughs> so okay. they've only got like shoulder pads. They don't have like full hmm. battle armor on. So they have different colors on them basically. Cause they're wearing like leather armor more than like the, whatever the space Marine armor is made out of. Um, and I didn't like like the those colors. I ended up painting their armor like three times because I wasn't happy with the way the colors were working. Um, but anyway, I eventually got them done. I think they came out pretty good. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm like locked in with this now. So I'm going to 
start chugging away on this Sisters of Battle Army. That's um, cool. yeah. I'm, I'm happy to finally like now that I'm doing it, I feel I'm excited about it, and I'm not dreading that. What if I make the wrong color choice? So makes and, a difference. Per- and, and purple and white. Like I, I wanted it to be a striking color scheme, um, and it is. It it yeah it no that's sure. that's cool absolutely. I mean, white, white, like you said, is hard, but it catches the eye when it's done really well. It sure does. And then that, that purple is a nice contrast color. Absolutely. Because um, I think I, I've tried doing purple on some uh, undead and dark elves that I had painted years ago. And one of the things that I found is that even, the, even let's say, bone with a wash on yeah. it is too yeah. dark in contrast to the purple. And it just doesn't. It's, it's got to be really each other bright. Enough. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, right? it does. It really does. The the one thing I'm worried about for this army is when I have to paint the tanks, because um, the the armor on an individual model being white is like it's fine. I can totally manage that. A tank with big white armor panels. I'm a little uncertain how that's going to work. You got to break like, it up. I think with some like battle damage, you know, or weathering effects of some weathering sort. Battle damage, or, like, weathering holes. You know. Yeah, yeah, maybe or or just paint the tanks a different color. Or yeah. I'm like, I'm actually worried about like playing games with them and then getting dirty, like looking like they have fingerprints on them and stuff. Yeah. It's like white sneakers. Yeah. Right? White sneakers. Right. <laughs> oh, is that like, oh, are those tanks aren't on bases? They're not on base. It's I mean, so you could put weird them on bases. to me. Yeah, I'm like, right. why would you touch the model? Pick it up by the base. But I'm like, wait, there isn't uh, a base. Nope. <laughs> you could, yeah, not. you could put it on base. Someone who doesn't play any of the sci-fi games, that is so strange. Yeah, it's so foreign feeling. Yeah. So we'll see. I, when it comes time to build the tanks, I may have to rethink that. But a lot of the army is infantry, so it, it won't mm-hmm. be. I could even just not take tanks in the army that I'm building. Sure. Right. Makes so, sense. So, yeah, so that's me. It's been I've been pretty busy actually, and it's kind of some exciting projects. I'm also working on the Unplugged GT, so I started making the maps, started building the trophies, um, you know, managing the registration list, and just trying to get everything kind of sorted out for that because we're only three weeks away from the Unplugged GT now. Right. So yeah, I have buddy. a I have a little bit of work to do ahead of me. Super excited. So how about we uh, take a quick break here and. As Mike alluded to, he did three recordings at the pilgrimage. So we're going to plug in uh, one of those recordings now, and then we yeah. will catch you on the other side. All right. Ooh. Excellent. And it's Friday night, and I am Mike, and here is... Alex Chavez. And here is also... Jake. Get the f*** out of here, <laughs> Jake. Cherapika. Hello, my man. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going great. I gave you a long, awkward hug. It was fantastic when I saw you. I haven't seen you face-to-face in a while. It's, well, (laughs) maybe for you. A little bar of hug. There it is, exactly, right? So I am am happy to, I'm blessed to be surrounded by such uh, fantastic gentlemen. I have a couple questions for you. I do want to talk, a little catching up on the podcast. First things first. Yes. The keys, the door's unlocked. Car's unlocked, my man. So, first things first, how are things down in your necks of the woods? I do have one thing I want to talk about at the end. I want to have a bone to pick with both of you. Okay. And mostly it's my fault, but there's nothing here or there. So, how are things in your neck of, wo- neck of the woods? How are King- how's Kings of War back home? Um, they're going pretty good in the Baltimore area. We have a club, the Mid-Atlantic Irregulars, which technically was formed like two years ago, but this is the first year we've really tried to like get more organized. Right. Um, we've started doing monthly meetups and have about 
10 or so people showing up for that. Mm -hmm. um, and the club has a bunch of mostly like faces you recognize, Dicehead Steve, uh, my buddy Ed, Chris right. Fisher, Thomas, you know, a bunch of different people that people people know. But then a couple new people, my brother got involved. Um, Love it. And is like fully hooked and he's very gung-ho to try to get like new people in. So we've been like scheming on how to do that. So. That's awesome. See, yeah. it's, it's funny. You get a little bit of that enthusiasm and, and then it's mm -hmm. infectious, right? You're like, okay, well now I'm going to be engaged in getting people in here too. Yeah. And, he, and he's a, um, a professional sports coach. So he recruits like athletes for community college like, yeah. sports. And so like he's just like, yeah, this is how I do this, this, and this, and this. And we should do that for this. And I was like, I don't know if that works. Shut the fuck up. We're doing it. And I'm right. Like, oh, like, okay. Right. <laughs> and the, skill, the skills translate. Don't get in the way. <laughs> Watch the magic, right? That's not fair, really. Like we, yeah, we don't have professional coaches and shit. We just like, hey, well, who's free for game Friday night? We're like, ah, all right, we'll, we'll get it going. I guess we'll play then, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're 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 kind of in the basement gaming phase, so it's like, oh, hey, let's play Friday, play Saturday. But I still get about two to three games a month, I'd say, like roughly. So sure, that's that's you know that's good, a good month of Kings of War for me. It's not bad. Right? Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. All right, so you so you so you guys are in different spots. You have a central game store where you can. Have, you, you can get everybody together monthly, mm -hmm. recruit new players, have, so we, have a little visibility for the games, yeah, right? We, we're lucky the Baltimore area has like four stores that we could pick from. And so we picked the one that was most centrally located slash had the best selection of like game tables that wasn't an hour away. Right. Our favorite store was where, in the area that I grew up, which is about an hour and 10 minutes from where I live now, which is just too far to drive when there's we're passing two stores on the way. So we picked another store, it's called Titan Games. It's a great store. They're primarily miniature war gamers. They also, they mostly do like 40K, um, Infinity, Malfo. Sounds so right. we bring our own terrain, but they have a big ninth age group there. Um, and so they have like people with fantasy models. And so like they're used to seeing fantasy, but people come over and go, oh, is that ninth age? And they'll be like the people who have their armies in the you know closet. And we're like, no, there's King's War. And they're like, oh. And they'll stay and chat a little bit. So we haven't pulled anyone completely fresh yet. Right. But we've had a couple people come by, ask questions, say they want to dust stuff off. When do we meet? And we have a Discord, so we're like that's been helping like organize stuff. That's cool. That's super. That's super cool. It is cool. Yeah, we have a couple of ninth age players too that that switched over last year. I know the game went through a lot of changes, so it's kind of a thing people looking for for options and alternatives. Um, but again, I, I, I applaud their effort of organization. It's, it takes a lot of work to kind of be consistent and diligent about those regular meetups, but they look great. I mean, I'll probably go to one myself just to infiltrate and, you know, yeah. maybe try to steal some recruitment from, from that. Coach <laughs> you know, right. like, hey, you can see their club, ours is better, right? That's right. Have you heard of the aristocrats? Exactly. Have you heard of us? No? Exactly. I think you guys are on the club challenge cup as much as us, though. We're tied. We're tied. But that, yeah, okay, okay. We're two and two. We're each, okay. we each have two on there. Now, now, Jake, your club currently has the cup. Yes, they do. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, I was listening to the matchup cast for the pilgrimage, and at one point they were like, so who's going to take the cup? Well, the shambling court is coming, and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> right? That is cute. That is cute. Only if you did top five, and because there's five, <laughs> right? Right. And don't let me right, just totally way. No. Right? Next year we'll come ten. The top ten. That's it. Everyone else gets frozen out. Well, the right? advantage of having five people is that you can have, you know, let's say you get last place in the tournament. It, it doesn't it's, matter. You have more people. No, to come there in, it is. That's exactly the point. point. So that's going to happen, obviously. But you know, we're we're usually limited. Like we have like maybe three to four. Like we're like right at the cusp of like right. what's a cutoff. So like 
if one person doesn't do well, it's like, oh shit, that's you know, you're out right. running. I think we have seven here. Seven. That's crazy. Um, yeah. That's and uh, two of our heavy hitters aren't here. Uh, Joey and Ed aren't coming. Right. And unfortunately, so I think I think our cup chances are are, are probably slimmer um, than yeah. they have been in the past. But we'll see. Steve is still very good. His goblin list does like mean things to people. So it does. Right. Yeah. We're just going to ride his coattails to victory. <laughs> yeah. So the cup is a cool thing. I do. I do think the cup is the coolest thing that we introduced to our scene last year. For those that don't know, I don't. Does hey, everyone know that hey, is? Hey, might as well talk about. Yeah. It, right? So so um, last year we started something called the Cornwall Cup, which is something that travels tournament to tournament, and it's up to the TO to determine the criteria. But the idea is that whatever club. Has yeah, X amount of players. So let's call it, say, three, for example. The top three scores for that club end up competing to, to see who has the highest, and the highest gets to win the trophy. They can take it home, they get a little placard, they put it on the trophy, very much like the Stanley Cup hockey style. So um, it's been a lot of fun. I think it's, it's very competitive. There's, there's mm-hmm. what, three different clubs on it, I want to say, mm-hmm. and, and, and a couple. I think Show we're on it twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some some are more than others. Some are only other once. You, you know, know, we take pictures, posing with it. Of course. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Know. I know we had like Mike We still Austin. haven't taken the picture of me watching anime with the cup yet. Oh, yeah. Anime. You didn't get to do that. You had no. to blur out the screen, the anime you watch. <laughs> right? It's been, it's so pixelated. Exactly. It's weird. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's been some fun photos. I mean, I think... Um, I think Steve took one on the beach. Yeah, he took it to the beach. He's got all his kids like, hey kids, move your shit over. Like in the car, like what are you? What is happening? Yeah, exactly. I remember Mike has his kid like has carrying it around. He's like at least three or four riding around. Yeah, riding around. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's fun. It's been a lot of fun. So that was that was Bart who introduced that concept, right? Bart rules. By the way, if you don't know who Bart Kohler is, you should because he's awesome. He did. He put it together and it looks great. I don't know how many slots we're eventually gonna like need to build another tier of the trophy, sure. right? Like As we'll clear fun. off and put it like the, the orange thing. <laughs> clear somewhere. off, clear off, please. It's gonna we're gonna build we're it talking up for five about it. exactly. I'm right? worried because if we clear the current aristocrat wins each time, each time the aristocrats <laughs> lose a player at a GT, and they keep having to be like, mm, "You're an aristocrat this weekend." See, the, yeah, well, that's the, that's the problem with being so select with the people that you let in your club. We just let anybody in, buddy. Oh yeah, our requirements like, are yeah. come to an event and and uh, represent us at the event. Right, our requirements. Requirements are you have a pulse and here's a shirt done. You Let's need go. a painted army too, right? Well, so you can go to an event, right? Sad, yeah. right? Well, so <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a tough challenge, right? I mean, one thing I'll say that's, that's cool is just kind of switch topics, but I saw a lot of new players even at this event. Yeah, which is something that, that I'm really happy to see that we still get new players every GT. Mm-hmm. Nerd Hammer 2, we had a, a slew of new players that were like, hey, these are names I don't recognize. That's awesome. So yeah, it is pretty great. I'm right? happy to see that overall. Like, that's something I think is healthy and happy, like good about our scene right now. So. Right. I, I think the Mid-Atlantic is totally crushing it when it comes to just building building up, right? It's, I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah, we have some good community leaders, like good pillars that are doing work. It's, it's not me, I'll say that. <laughs> so, so, so it's it's somebody else, yeah. But uh, no, but it's awesome. It's a fun scene. I think it's great. So I, 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 uh, I do need to bring this up. This is, it hurts. It hurts. So for you guys that don't know, Jake is, uh, was the uh, representative for the Mid-Atlantic. Now it's Alex and Jake before it was Jake. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so Jake was uh, the, the rep for the master scene for the Mid-Atlantic. I was the rep for the Northeast. Years, years ago, in the annals of time, Jake was like, you know what we need to do? You know, the Pennsylvania guys, there's a lot happening in Pennsylvania. Most of those guys, there's like two or three people, and they all go south. They don't go to your tournament. So why don't you just, 
Why does it make, you know, it makes sense that New Jersey and Pennsylvania should, instead of being in the Northeast, they should join the Mid-Atlantic, and then you guys can do Canada, and, and it makes, it just makes sense. And at the time, the Nerdhammer guys were playing Malifaux. Right. Right? That's so right. there was nothing happening. <laughs> and I went, you know, Jake, you're right. It totally makes sense. We'll do the switch. We'll make it happen. We'll do a little votes, no big deal. The next year, <laughs> the next year, you must have known that the Nerdhammer guys like, you know, Kings of War is a thing. Next thing you know, they have teams of 72,000. Like, there's more people. They, bu- they come in busloads, these bros. <laughs> you stole that club from me, Jake. <laughs> you stole it. I think that's what they call insider trading. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's... I had insider knowledge yeah, and I made exactly. some trades. I'm going to kick you as hard as I can. I trained for years to kick you, just so you know. I'm so... It's, and I did it this? to myself, right? I did Isn't it to myself. What schemers do, though, is they convince you that the choice was your own? The call is coming from inside your house, right? <laughs> well, what, do you ever think about this? What if, what if they started because they switched? No, oh. that's not true. Though. Yeah, but you're acting like they're yeah, like, oh, act, you know what? You're acting that like, guy's gone. Look, you're acting like you guys are inspirational. Cut the shit, <laughs> right? Stop. <laughs> you just said like you actually were rolling your eyes. Like I don't know who's running this fucking joint. I got a right? spreadsheet. Like, I got a spreadsheet. Yeah, I got a spreadsheet. <laughs> I got a spreadsheet. <laughs> My spreadsheet's been there for years. <laughs> that's exactly. it. Right. The spreadsheet predates you being in charge of the region. Yeah, it does. It does. That's but. right. I actually think someone was like, "You had a spreadsheet, Mike. Can I borrow it?" I was like, "Yeah, totally. Go ahead and spin. go ahead and change it." I, I, and meanwhile, right. you're like, "Paint scores are for suckers. Yeah, Done. Yeah. I made modifications to your spreadsheet." No, no, our spreadsheet is legit. Okay, I'll tell you right now. You no, will not question it. the yeah, spreadsheet. You're not talking <laughs> shit on the spreadsheet, yeah. right? But no, it was, you're right. Pennsylvania is massive. I mean, it's yeah. massive. It's, it's, it's massive. Honestly, it could be it its own exploded. region. Yeah. It could be its, it's own region. It's so like, good. Legitimately, like, it's so it, legit. There's so many players in this right. area. It is so legit. Great players. But that's what happens, right? right. Yeah. You get you get a, an energized group of, like, like eight to ten people, right? Right. And then they just get a couple more people, and then just snowballs, right? Like, well, that's you know, it, you right? Start, like, you start, like, the They hit that momentum, for sure. The game, the club and the game has a gravity. Right. I play the game that other people play, right? I think a lot of people are playing, to be honest, I think a lot of people are playing 40K these days out of inertia. Because it's, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, this the thing, right? But meanwhile, it's like, dude, if you get, like, if you're at the store, and every time you go there, two bros are playing Kings of Warrior, like, this is a legitimate game. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, I think, like, I, I, the Nerdhammer guys talk about this on one of those podcasts, on like this podcast, on their podcast. Um, right. They said like, it's really nice having a chat where you can chat with other people playing it perpetually, and it's like a club chat. So rather than just throwing it into like fanatics or somewhere yeah. where it gets buried, it's no, it like makes a, a big difference. People. Yep, absolutely. And, and you're also you're also like. You're rubbing ideas with people who you're like legitimately who you like and are your right, friends, right? Right. If I post something on the internet, I'm waiting immediately as soon as I send it, I'm like, some jerk's gonna be like, shut up, noob. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, why did right, I subject right. myself to this? You know I have I mean? a name, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was my alt account. That's right. right. Every time it's like, I don't know who Alex Cha is, but every time exactly. I post something, he tells me I'm stupid. This is weird. I don't know who this bro. Hey, wait a minute! Whoops, <laughs> my there. identity. My glasses <laughs> is off. My, my, not, my not so secret. Actually, I'm exactly. giving you the finger now. You exactly. just can't see it over the radio. Um, anything else you guys want to add or say out to the world? As Jake knows, we have dozens of listeners. Is there anything that you'd like to tell everybody out there? Um, I'd say if like people are trying to really organize like a group playing or whatnot. We talk all about tournaments, but tournaments aren't the way to get people playing. You want to do meetups, you want to do leagues, you want to yep. do slow grow, because if you are thinking about building a group, 
maybe think about trying to play a game you don't play now and think about how you would do it. Like, I want to play Kill Team. I'm not jumping into the Kill Team tournament scene. That terrifies me. There's a billion rule books. People are right. kind of dicks. I don't want to do that. But that's why everybody thinks every tournament's like. Right. So you've got you to build in it so that people get used to it. And then Ambush is such a great rule set to get people in. The only thing I'd say is 3x3 three three tables are stupid. You it's should play small. on 4x4. Four four. You play 4x4. Four four four. Because then it gets you ready for the game, too. Agreed. But, right. yeah, don't do tournaments to recruit players. Do tournaments to reward players already playing. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Ambush has sort of done a good job of, of being the introductory level. Making the game accessible. Yeah, accessible. Yeah. It's like, hey, you don't have to paint a 2,300-point army. Right. Bring right. three units, and you have an army. So I think that, that works. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's a cool season. I'm, I'm more excited to see kind of what armies are going to develop yes, here. I think, yeah. I think we're kind of nuts just now getting the swing of, of the new meta, so to speak. Right. Um, I'm kind of excited to see how that goes. Um, I have a couple armies I know I've been kind of cooking. I, I'm playing some dwarves. You're not playing dwarves. It's, no, not this time. Things yeah. are crazy. So, <laughs> things you know, are weird. Exactly. So I'm excited to see what This is the event Rossi wins. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. I feel like this time last year, I, one thing is like everyone was like nice stalkers. Clay Suckers. Like, yeah. That was like if the you didn't two, stalk yeah. something, then yeah, what were you exactly. doing? Right? You're, exactly. You're, you're one of those two, right? Yeah. That, that was like the thing, right? Yep. And, and like everyone knew it. And it was like a year of that. Like, welcome to hell. We're going to be here for a year of this. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. And this year, I don't know. Like, what's what's good? I, I have some ideas. I well, think I, know. I, I think Forces of Nature seem rather good. Okay. Right? Yeah, I mean, you're it's, probably right. I am right. right? About, I mean, so are goblins. I mean, Nice Sucker could still be good. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you can I don't think they were nerfed in Oblivion. Yeah, so I think I think there's more conversation around that. And I think that's interesting to me. I, I, I love it from sort of a meta perspective. I'd like to see where the hell, you know, sure. goes. I don't know who's going to win this weekend. I have no idea. Yeah, you, like, can't, you can't look and be like, oh, it's right. this. Yeah, right? I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't, like... I don't even normally, think it's, like, a list of yeah, I think it'd be, like, a list of, like, 20 people. But like, who, any one of them could win the tournament. Right. right. I have no idea. Right. So that'd be, that's super fun to me to kind of see that happen. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it speaks to the, one, the level of parity. Yeah. And then, two, the, uh, with, the, with the armies, but also the level of parity amongst the players. Like, you guys are all... The Mid-Atlantic is legit. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, I, there's a reason why the Northeast, like, we're going to go for Paragon every year because this is what we value, right? But meanwhile, Alex, you guys are... A, we we a won group. Paragon last year, so... Well, it's, we, we, those, those points didn't make any sense. It, it just so you me, know. Okay, right? it me. <laughs> when, I, when I... Yes, whatever. We, we fought under right, the we system no, that no. was there. I hear it. No, I hear you. <laughs> they announced it that we won. Just so you know. <laughs> they announced it at the event. Exactly, so exactly. We'll share it. Yeah. <laughs> I, right, small, I'll take the answer. Kick you, Jake! All right. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. We're going to I'm gonna catch up with you again tomorrow, hopefully. Let's see sure, how you guys are doing. And uh, we'll go from there. Are you going to record with me tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I'm Being, done. you know, it's Unplugged Radio and we're both here. Yeah, yeah. Right, all right, cool. All right. We miss you, Jake. Come yeah, back I to the miss, podcast. I miss you guys, too. We miss you. Not enough to come back, but you, you know, I miss you guys, too. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, I can already tell that uh, Mike had too much fun at the <laughs> pilgrimage. And I'm jealous that we were not there to enjoy it with him. A lot of good folk uh, involved in that community. So uh, to just finish up our hobby updates and whatnot, let's talk about books or uh, any other media you might have consumed that was particularly noteworthy. Uh, Mike, why don't you start us off? So um, I just got done with uh, The City We Became or Uh, The World We Make. The World We Make, that's what it is. And it was was very good. It was very good. It was, um, I mean, just the... the, uh, the characterizations are really good of the of the boroughs, and then also mm-hmm. the other cities, mm-hmm. right? That are in there, and 
once again, the end, the ending felt a little rushed. I would have liked to have. It was so cool, though. Danny yeah. was so cool, and I don't want to talk about just <laughs> Queens is a queen. That's all there is to it. <laughs> queens is a queen. She yeah. totally rules. Um, but like, I would have loved to see more of the other cities and how they, you know, and how they fought or you know constructed with their constructs and stuff. It was just that was really interesting. I really loved that part. But so I got done with that, and then the other thing I want to talk about is I just. I, I picked up a new podcast called Imaginary Worlds, uh, which is a it's like a thirty minute episodes about all things like fantasy and sci fi and me, you know that type of media and stuff. What was and it, it called? Talks, uh, Imaginary Worlds. Imaginary Worlds. Um, yeah, it used to be a it used to be put together I think on WNYC um, down in New York City, and then you know the guy spun off and and did his own his own podcast, and so I. I listened to all 250 episodes of that over the past month because it's really, it's really good. The guy is, uh, the guy's conversational, but he also has, he'll do author, he'll do interviews with authors to talk about their process and where they get their stuff from. But he also does like, um, all kinds of stuff about like Marvel sci-fi. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was very good. It was very well put together. Um, the episode that I listened to that actually got me hooked, uh, it was like, um, referenced in another in, uh, in, in in cautionary tales, the one that I think I had mentioned about before, right. where the right and um, he said, "No, you got to check this out." And the episode that he that he listed was this thing called "Snow Crashing into the Future." I don't know if, if you guys have ever read the, the novel "Snow Crash." Oh, uh, it's really good. It was put out in in the late '90s, and it talks about I think in '96. And like it's it's tongue in cheek. Like the hero of the entire thing is a guy named Hero Protagonist, right? And it's set in like the near future. But this is 1996, and he's talking about um, the rise of social media, uh, the way that we interact with computers, um, the way that we can get any information about the entire world on our phone. He predicted Uber. Like there's all kinds of stuff that are in there where you're like, holy crap. Like this dude was legitimately ten years ahead of his time when you read it, and the podcast talked about that book as an example of the art being just ahead of the things that we make and how the art influences influences the things we make, right? Right. So, yeah. the, like the right. So, like the the classic example is Star Trek, where when they first made a phone, it had to be a flip phone because that's the way the thing was designed on Star Trek. Like that was legitimately the reason why they put that together, as opposed to the phones that we have now, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's, like, there's, like, it's it's cool, right? Just the way that like people grow up watching TV and they go, "I want to build that," yeah, right? And technology yeah, catches cool. up, right? So, but that was like the episode that got me hooked, and I was like, "Oh, I got to hear more of this." And so it's been extremely rewarding, right? Um, nice. And 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 the, and the topics run the gamut, right? From like you know, I don't know, like the influence of Dracula on culture, all the way through to like. Um, the the uh the padawan and and master uh concept in star wars and you know how how that would actually work and what are the some flaws with it and why does it work and you know it was just it was super cool to listen to right a lot of like ideas getting thrown at me you know on my drive to work so imaginary worlds is the name of the podcast cool so, awesome yeah how about you guys i just finished um a short story but it's novella so that that's not quite the same as a short story, I guess. Right. Um, a novella called "The Emperor's Soul," 
Um, it's part of the Arcanum Unbounded collection from um, okay. Brandon Sanderson. And this is a series of shorts and novellas that exist in between or connecting some of the other worlds in his Cosmere. Okay. Um, so this one was set in the same world as Elantris, although it has Ooh. absolutely nothing to do with Elantris. Um, but there's a couple of little Easter egg references where they talk about um, just some of like the geography and stuff that ties you in that it's the same world. Uh, sure. And like some of the magic concept of what's happening here is similar to what's happening in Elantris. I think there's a there's a connection that like on that world, that's how magic works. Um, and it was it was pretty good. It was um, not super long. Characters were interesting. The ending was pretty fun. Um, I so I'm I'm looking forward to going through some of the other uh, novellas in this collection, but I haven't read what's the big what's his big um, the Stormlight Archives. Yep, I haven't right. read that one, so I think half of the short stories or novellas in here connected. Uh, let's see, there's are there's in there. There's nine in this in this book, um, and four of them are from Stormlight Archives. Four are from Mistborn. No, two, three are from Mistborn, and two are from uh, the world of Elantris. So I'll probably only okay. read the first half of it because I'll only get what's going on, and then right. maybe I'll come maybe I'll come back to it someday if I ever pick up Stormlight Archives. Sure, but yeah, so far so good. It was it was recommended. Um, at work, we have um, there's a bunch of people that read Brandon Sanderson, and so we have a Slack channel called uh, Cosmere Knots, and we talk yeah. about like uh, <laughs> just like the uh, the books and references, and what should you read next if you're you know coming through the series and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Pretty legit, Greg. What are you reading? So I just finished up a book called The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. So mm. I had mentioned this author a couple episodes back because I read uh, his first novel, The Silent Patient, and this is his second novel. And okay. uh, if you remember a little bit, The Silent Patient set in uh, the UK, and it's like a, a mystery thriller kind of suspense thing um, about a, a patient at... Um, like uh, a hospital for um, criminals who have been deemed, you know, like um, criminally mentally insane or, or, or mentally yeah, unstable. Yeah. And uh, this woman who had uh, murdered her husband in uh, a very unexpected and violent way and then uh, refused to speak and years have gone by and she's at this institution and this a uh, new therapist comes to work there and he's like obsessed with um, getting her to talk again and, and figuring out the truth of like what happened in that crime. So this book is also awesome. a uh, psychological thriller mystery. Uh, I'm going to read the synopsis for you here uh, off of Goodreads. As Edward Fosca is a murderer of this Mariana is certain, but Fosca is untouchable handsome and charismatic Greek tragedy professor at Cambridge University, Oscar is adored by staff and students alike, particularly by the members of a secret society of female students known as the Maidens. The brilliant but troubled group therapist who becomes fixated on the Maidens when one member, a friend of her niece, Zoe, is found murdered in Cambridge. So hmm. it's kind of interesting that like the uh, 
one of the main characters again is a therapist. Um, even though from what I can <laughs> tell, theme. Alex yeah. Michaelides okay. himself has no background in uh, therapy or psychology, but it's interesting. Right. Um, it was really good. Uh, so the author grew up, I think, in the UK, but he was born in his profile is here. He was oh, he was born and raised in Cyprus, and then he went to to school in uh, at Cambridge University. So he his first book has a lot of references to Greek tragedies, and this book is even more like clearly like a modern telling of a Greek tragedy. And there's lots of references to it. And even if you're someone who is not super well-versed in Greek tragedies like myself, it will be like connections will be made for you and you can do a little more research on your own. There's also a lot of connections to uh, like British literature and poetry. So as I was reading this, I was kind of like, between chapters, pausing to do to go do a little research to be like, oh, what was that reference? What's this? Which is which is cool. Um, I enjoyed the book overall. I don't think it was quite as strong of a a narrative as the first uh, one, okay. the Silent Patient. But it is interesting that it's it's obviously it's not a sequel, but there are a few characters from Silent Patient that appear. In the maidens, not as main characters, but as like you know, kind of tertiary. Um, so that part is interesting. So if you like mystery thriller type novels, I would definitely recommend you check out A Silent Patient because it was very, very good. Nice. Um, and if you like it enough, I would say that you should also read The Maidens, but for me, it wasn't quite as strong. Um, but it was still cool to see how. He built further upon this idea of like making a modern story, but inspiring it by Greek tragedy. That sounds actually pretty cool. Right. It's definitely mm-hmm. like, it's not a long book and it's not, um, it's like 300 pages. I listened to it on right. uh, Audible, like 11 or 12 hours perhaps. Um, but it was one that left me like thinking a lot and inspired me to do more, like I said, like research and reading on some other things. So that's awesome. Yeah. Right. You're so like, kind of like, like you read something and you're like, I think that means something else. Let me go figure out what that was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, that uh, novel just came out, I think within like the last year, year and a half. So I'm definitely going to keep, uh, my pulse on anything else that Alex Michaelides puts out, I will continue to read. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Oh, we're going to go for another quick break and you are going to hear a second round of uh, recording from Sir Rossi at the pilgrimage. And then we'll be back to talk about our main topic, the upcoming Unplugged Grand Tournament. Drum roll, please. Unplugged GT! I'll <laughs> <laughs> bring some singing back. Yes. That's right. We lost <laughs> the plot here. Microphone check, one, two. What is this? It works! Awesome! Uh, I am at Friday night at the pilgrimage um, with the Nerd Hammer guys. 
Hello, Ooh. gentlemen. How are we? Good. How you doing? Good. I'm, I'm doing, doing right. well. All right. So I have this little lavalier mic that I'm talking into when I hand it around. Who is here? Dale Motley. Rob, the okayest player in the world. <laughs> Eric Schaefer. And Alan Beaner. The not okayest player. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> right? The great The Scott King, a.k.a. That's right. Scott King. That's right. So... I just, I want to highlight a little thing. So Dale doesn't have a nickname except for, you know, the despoiler of the dead of winter. Yeah. I came north, took the all the joke. The new joke. giant of the Northeast. <laughs> no, 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 look, look at that. He's like, I totally smashed it. I didn't mean it. I, I'm sorry, guys. You're wrong. I have a nickname. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is Big right? D. It's Big, it's big D. D. Also, Trash Hoagie. But the trash Hoagie. There's a little backstory. There must be. Yeah. Right? Do you want to share it or no? No, it's kind of. No, we'll just write a little lie there. A little lie there. No, he eats Hoagies from the trash. So for Nerd Hammer GT, Rob bought a bunch of Hoagies as our lunch. So, you know, after a couple of beast lights, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. Rob, are any of those subs still available? He's like, they're in the trash. Okay. Go they, grab some. Oh, that is awkward. <laughs> but they were fully wrapped. Yeah, yeah they were fully wrapped in plastic. Yeah, they were, were still in, in the... In his defense. Oh, Lingle. <laughs> oh, Justin Lingle just oh, rolled just, up. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yes, come, yeah, come in. Come Join the circle. Podcast. There it is. No, that's... That, well, Champion what's going on? has arrived. <laughs> is that you? That's me. Because yeah. I don't think that's you. We're just talking about the fact that it was all of you guys except for you. Hey, there's got to be that one guy, There's got to be that one guy. The one guy that helps everyone else get better. There it is. Springboard. That's Springboard over here. So, <laughs> springboard, everybody. Yeah, I springboard him in the first. Yeah, that here. Here. I springboard him in the first. Yeah, that's, 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 that's springboard. That's definitely your new. This is as, yeah. this is as discursive as I thought it was going to be. All right, so hold on. All right, so getting back to trash. Yeah. No, right, exactly. So, Where were we? so oh, you yeah. guys, you guys, I, I have noticed. So I was making a comment to Corey to drive down. I said, you know, I've noticed that. Okay, so we're coming down from the northeast. We have a meta that's not very good. I was looking at the lists that are here, and I was like, wow. One, they're all really good. All the way from the Mid-Atlantic, no one's bringing anything soft. And two, everyone's kind of bringing, I hate to say it, the same thing. So if you're playing Force of Nature, which is what, five of the lists at the right are Force of Nature, six, five are dwarves, four of the dwarf lists are very similar, five of the Force of Nature lists are very similar, right? Is this like a, because you guys are all like, one, you're very, you guys are very good. You're very competitive. Yes. Uh, but there's also a lot of cross-pollination amongst the different clubs. You guys are talking yes. all the time, right? Yeah. So yeah. That, is this what causes the, dare I say, the group think amongst so, everyone? Or, 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 or is the game so obvious? Or is the game so obvious that like, if I take Force of Nature, this is why I should take? What this, happens right? when you get smashed by it, and then you're like, <laughs> fuck. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> here's my theory. So first, it was Griff with Sylvankin, right? And then I was playing Twilight Kin. So to counter Griff, I played Forces of Nature regen. So if you look over the, the triple air elementals, right, there's a lot of good regen and you could take on shooting. Like I could hide in a woods and, and heal. Yeah, like right. I could hide in a woods, take on that. And now the stars are the triple greater air elemental. Sure, it's, it's an obvious. So like, and that's yeah. what I think a lot of people are drawn to now. But now in the you're, Glade Walker and, Druid. Yes, yeah, in the Glade Walker Druid. And now you'll see something develop to counter that. Okay. Which like, I think is where you're seeing defense six coming. Yeah, like the doors. Yeah, the, the doors are right. I think that's a good counter. counter. I, was, I was a year late with that, but, so you know. Dale's <laughs> been playing doors now for a while, too. And then yeah. that was his, 
yeah, I was, he was always been at the top table though, like sure. close to it. Sure. And like that was finally got his his win in there. So right. That's Faber Ironheart. Just, I had to get out. Yeah, of the, I had to get out of the Mid Atlantic to get my win. <laughs> well, <laughs> gotta head up north. Chump bash. It happens. It is what it is. We right? have a nerd hammer battle every GT, like round four. Yeah, nerd hammer versus nerd hammer to see sure. who moves on to compete. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Sounds legit. Right. Last year, Griff versus myself here, Twilight Team yeah. versus Selvin King. We have, we have, the Shambling Court does something very similar at yeah. round four. Down at the bottom. Who's going to be at the bottom? Like, wow, you're down here too. This is so you know exactly what it's like. Oh, exactly. It's like, oh, it's you. You know, I drove all this way to play it. But, you know, it's fine. No, it's right? fine. But, like, we do, we break it down a lot. Like, we have our own private chat. Like, sure. With the members. And there's, especially Cass, Dale, myself. We're constantly talking about list ideas. And right. Like, Griff got a new yeah. job. Griff used to be in there too. But, like, we're, we break down, like, what do you think could count of this? What do you think could count of this? And now that you're seeing forces of nature... I'm gonna start. I'm breaking away from forces of nature now. But like last year, when I went to ACO, Mike was like, "Hey, are you gonna bring the shooting?" And I was like, "No, I'll, I'll bring something different." Right. So I'm gonna bring triple arrow. But like at that time, like <laughs> it, was, it was not like the thing yet. Like no one was. The only person that really did was Dan Lloyd. Dan Lloyd well, played it at Nerdhammer GT, and that was before and I'm like, I am playing that. Getting, 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 yeah, getting 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 I'm like, I'm playing and that now, triple grade yeah. arrow. That, that, was, was that was before they, they had, had the crushing. crushing. Yeah, yeah, they were busted. Right. Dan is really, I think, the pioneer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, 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 in, yeah for horseless nature. Sure. sure. I mean, he's been playing it for a while. Mm -hmm. It yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, you know? for sure. Well, he, did, he didn't play it that long. You know, I think he only played it at one GT, but he had it undercover for a while. He's yeah, like, he Brad, Brad was talking him up. Brad Winslow yeah. was like, he's like, he didn't he's, want to show he's, he's a killer. Yeah, he's, he's not showing this to anybody. Right. He showed up to Nerdhammer GT. I don't think he didn't. No, he Griff didn't won it. Griff won. But um, he, I mean, he, he almost. Got he played, he played yeah, it down yeah, here. Yeah, he got best general. Yeah, he played it down here, and I think might even got like third or second. Like, he was doing really good with it. I think something weird happened where he submitted the wrong list by accident and realized that like three games later or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of hurt but a little it's bit. coming out i mean that's uh, now it's it's known now so now you move on to the next thing like what yeah. counters forces of nature and then our you I mean, know dwarves above dwarves, all right? i think you might dwarves. i think it might you gotta get you might you gotta, I play, you gotta play over and over yeah. again i haven't had a single UV matchup with the greater with the triple greater airs that i felt like was hard for me it, until i played Dale. sure the dwarves, the dwarves right. are just a solid counter i actually think that the scenario for the last round of dead of winter because it was a kill based scenario led yeah. to that too if you were playing help the unit count. I certainly did yeah you certainly count. did he had me by seven units scoring units right so there. he's, he's yeah. up by seven already yeah. now you're in trouble yeah, right no it, it wasn't even as much table. as that right. is there was no so my achilles heel is my speed there was no incentive for me to move no so i had the shooting you were winning to start exactly. and there you go yeah, yeah. right but he had to come get me where i have the shooting to, yeah. to we were talking about this on the way down too like and i talked with uh keith conroe I love that in this game though, if you pick an army that you want to play and you really break it down and you optimize what you want to play, every list, I think, or every army has something that is viable. Oh, absolutely. Like you could play yeah. something like... That's one of my favorite parts about this game. Yeah. Nerd you, Hammer you can field an army. If you play your reps and, and build the list, you can come to a tournament. And Rob's going to win this with orcs. Yeah. Rob's going to win this with orcs. Future's green. Everyone knows, right? So, uh, so I'm going to ask another question. So, the, so the, the pilgrimage is known for, at least the Mid-Atlantic is known for having the Cornwall Cup. Yes. Right, so any club can come in and try to get their name on that, just like the Stanley Cup, except for I don't know what you guys do with it. It's gross, right? <laughs> but, so the question is, so who now, who, who is we, the owner of the cup right now? We had a dignified ceremony. 
don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Atlantic Wranglers right. on it right now. Okay, yeah. gotcha. The Atlantic Wranglers won it at Northern Energy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so are you guys, you guys, I'm, I'm certain, have plans to take it back. Oh, yeah. yeah. We right? want to. Yeah, are, are, if it isn't going to be you guys, who's the other major contender that you guys have to deal with? Battle Pilgrims. I think Battle Pilgrims yeah, on this one. Yeah, two Aussie masters. Well, right, exactly. Yeah. So he has to get people from a couple thousand miles away who know what they're doing. Right? Oh, they're on their team? Yeah. Oh, they should have been their own. They should have been Battle Pilgrims Australia. They should have been there. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Mike Ireland, who's a great player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Mike's legit, right? Yeah, totally. So they've got four. They really right good players. Now, is it is it based on battle or is it based on total finish? Battle. Yeah. Every, top three every battle. Every TO could make their own. Yep. Yeah. Got own, it. Like, like okay. Scenario. Like normally it was three. And, or no, I'm sorry, normally it was four, four and Rob changed it to three, and that's how we lost the cup. So is it yeah. four with this one? It's four this one. What's the what's the for the Corn World Cup, how many players? How many players? Top four, top three? Top three? Top three. Hopefully, three doesn't get us again. It does always change on the TOs. Nice. I changed it so we could have more clubs. Yeah. Competing for it. Makes sense. Never been so I think that's how they met Atlanta. I'd rather have top five. Because it's super fun. Exactly. There it is. This one should know. Like you guys and us, right? That's it, right? So we'll come in second, it'll be great. I'll see what the problem is. Right? How many guys do you have coming in? I won't be five. surprised oh, whatever five. Okay. Tough five. because the, the clubs are so good. Right. I mean, aristocrats are amazing. Yes. Mid-Atlantic Rivals are great. Oh, you guys are legit, right? Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. so many good clubs. And I think it can go to anybody on any given tournament, right. honestly. Yeah, it is. All right. There's, it's a fun And we were looking too. at the list, and like some of these names that we picked out or that we thought had a good chance of winning this is like, man, it, it's just tough, man. There's so really many good players, room. so many good lists. Right. Very tough room. Love it. Love it. Um, one last question for you guys, because I try to keep these around 10 minutes. We're at nine. I, if I cut out the shenanigans, well, whatever. Okay. <laughs> keep so, it going. Keep it going. Now, um, in terms of armies, you guys, some of you guys are taking the old reliable armies. Other people, such as Dale, are taking something new, right? So you're taking, as you, you go up north, yeah. you win with dwarves, you're like, man, I'm done with that. I'm going to move on to what? I wanted to take something total opposite. So from a slow army to green lady, bunch okay. of speed, flyers. Sure, so, right? different. So it, uh, have you had any practice with it? Uh, about 20 games. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. No, okay. but it's 600 0 and 1 yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. yeah. 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 20 games is yeah, light. Yeah, it's You guys are berserk. This, this is not since that of winter. This is probably going back six months. Okay. So like 20 games in about six so months. I, so I shelled the dwarves and I'm taking a herd list and I've got two games with it. All right. So Joe Borghese and I, and Joe's taking my list from last year. And I'm like, Joe, this is how you beat me. Right? I just want you to know, don't do that. Move yeah. over. How many map, games right? did you lose so far, Dale? One. One. One loss and, and one draw. draw. Yeah. All right, well, let's not forget about that draw. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But the rest of you guys are taking armies that you have taken in the past. There's nothing, nothing new at this event. Yeah. I want to run my, my first GT. Yeah. Yeah. My first yeah. GT with elves. Oh, you're I, doing I, elves. A, I won a one day with her, but um, it was kind of a new, new, yeah, yeah, yeah. new players. Right. Um, but yeah, this is my first GT with elves. I'm like two years behind the meta. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, I'll bring it back. I can't even look at him right now. You gave me so much shit for playing elves since we started wargaming. Nerdhammer has only ever won GTs with elves so far. Various types of elves. Until Dale. Until Dale. Until Dale. Until Dale. Okay, I guess, yeah, different styles. So if Kaz wins with elves, it's just like, oh, it's just another elf one. Just another elf Nobody cares. Wow. But as we said, watch out for the green wave. The green wave. Right? I'll see you round three. There it is. Right? Run. We'll shake hands in the middle. It'll be good. Yep. <laughs> It'll be good. My um, prediction for Rob? 005. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. Out, out of nowhere. No, just say it. Face, no, right? Probably 2-2-1. Two, two, to be fair, dude, if you went 5-0, and oh, he'd be painting up a green a green <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go right onto that little Google Drive, and I'm going to take Rob's list and figure it out tomorrow. Buddy, every time I'm like, guys, take a beaner's list, he's driving it not as well. I know what you do, right? Everyone knows what you do. Exactly. Oh, that was a fun video for Crossroads. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where he got his name. They should bring that back. They should bring that back. I had fun making that. The little oh, intro introduction videos. Yes. All right, buddies. I'm going to call up for now. I'll check in with you again tomorrow. Right. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for joining us, buddies. Thanks. We're back. Final time here with our main topic. The upcoming Unplugged Grand Tournament, which will be our 10th Unplugged GT. The, not the 10th year. Because no. we had to cancel one year. You know what year was. <laughs> but, uh, Everyone knows. Yeah, that, right. that year. But yeah. The year this should not be named. The 10th year that it actually happens. <laughs> With <laughs> no years skipped intentionally. That's right. So, John, you, you got to kick this off. And you had uh, talked a little bit about it in the hobby update. But what is it? Where is it? When is it? And why should people be interested? All the important details, right? The Unplugged GT is a 10-year-long-running grand tournament. Not wasn't always Kings of War, but it has been since 2016, maybe? Yeah, 2016? Yeah, sounds right. Yes. Sounds right. <laughs> Something like that? Yeah, buddy. Yep. Um, it's a five-round GT held in Milford, Massachusetts. Um, we're, we're being hosted by TJ Cafe and Games, which is a giant game store. Uh, just outside of the Boston metro area. Um, got a nice little cafe on site. You can get yourself a latte or a cappuccino, an ice cream sundae, a milkshake, some um, food like you know, like salads and chicken fingers and sandwiches and that kind of stuff. Um, huge game store, all kinds of products, whatever you can possibly imagine. Uh, giant tournaments, um, role-playing, card games, tabletop games. Um, so that's our that's where we're being hosted. Um, they actually just opened up a new game room in the back that's kind of uh, uh, separate for for miniature gaming, which is kind of cool. So that's where we'll be in the the, the back area, a little bit uh, a little bit of a private space for us. Then then kind of in the main game area. Um, the GT is five rounds. We're playing one thousand nine hundred and ninety five points. That's kind of been where we've been for the last couple of years, and it's a fun yeah. point size to be. You know, just be a little different than a lot of the the a lot of the tournaments are at twenty three hundred points or whatever. And we just want to provide some um, variety to that. And we made a decision a couple of years ago to change the format to be a little bit more hobby centric and kind of yep. Uh, lean in on this idea that the the unplugged GT is a as a more hobby event. I, people always said that. I don't. I don't think it really ever was that aggressively hobby leaning. But we're we're just leaning. We're going with it. Um, so the what that means is that your scores are are aggressively focused on the three categories of sportsmanship, painting, and your gameplay. Um, whereas a lot of other tournaments, the the soft parts of the scores are. In some cases, just an afterthought, and in other cases, not a significant percentage of your your overall score. Right. And here, right. our our kind of main award, if you will, um, the overall award, the the is is uh, uh, a real a, a three way split between painting, sportsmanship, and um, 
and battle uh, the gameplay itself. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're being weighed uh, very aggressively on the sports scores, and we also take a very unique approach to the soft scoring because we're again we're leaning into this idea that we want to be doing something just fundamentally different, good, bad, or yeah. otherwise. I'm not suggesting it's the the best or the worst thing in the world, but it's what it's different. Um. So what we do is, you know, when you when you go to a G GT and you fight for battle points, you know, we do five rounds. You get up to twenty points per round or twenty one or whatever your score system is, twenty eight in the last tournament or something like that. And they use some weird at uh, pilgrimage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah any, right. Anyway, so you get points per round and you end up with a score, right? And you end up in, gosh, you're either in 15th place or second place or whatever. You have a, a score and it lands you there. And we're doing the same thing for sportsmanship and, um, and painting. So for instance, the painting, well, I mean, it's, maybe it's not exactly the same thing for painting. You don't get a paint score. You get a place. You're either in first place or fifth place or 10th place or 11th place. And for sportsmanship, same thing. You're either in first or second or 10th or 11th. There is no score associated with it. It's just your ranking. And then how well you do in each category is what matters. So your battle points are actually immaterial, except for the fact that they place you, in um, ranking. you know, relative yeah. in a ranking relative to your, to, to the other competitors. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of unique. It's different. Um, I don't know. We've, we've, this is the second year we've done it this way, so you'll have to you'll have to tell me what you think of it. But um, I think it's it's just it's fun and unique and different, and it is a little more hobby focused. We do a painting competition for individual models or units. If you want to um, enter, just like you got a cool monster that you want to put into your army, you know who's got the coolest cool monster? Let's just look at that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And so that's that's the Unplug GT. It's a it's a good hangout. Um, I host a, the after party at my house for Saturday night, so everybody can come over and hang out with a, you know, fire hot tub, have some drinks, play some board games, whatever. Pretty awesome. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty casual is what it is, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a good time. So it's uh, April twenty. Oh boy, second twenty third. I think that's yes. a Saturday Sunday. I should have that in front of me. April twenty second, twenty third, and uh, Milford, Massachusetts. So a couple. Um... Follow up questions there. I mean, first off, uh, for nuts and bolts stuff, how many people yep. are signed up? How many more spaces do we have? Because this will be posted uh, early, first couple days of April. So someone listening to right. this who is interested, um, yeah, do they still have a chance to sign up, or what are we looking at? I think I have twenty five people signed up and only have thirty two spots. Okay. So, um, so yeah, a handful a couple... left. A handful of openings. Yep. Yeah, and uh, of course, you know, like Rossi did with Dead of Winter, we can create a waiting list if if we do fill up. And you know, last right, minute right. Um, things do come up sometimes, so you might be able to get in uh, either way. And then, you know, how you arrive at your ranking for battle points is self evident. It's based on your 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 tournament points, you know, from those games. For um, your painting score, that's all that's done by by paint judge judges. Plural? By judge. By judge. Ju okay. uh, you know, it depends on who's around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we just pull some random chap off the street. We're like, hey, we'll pay you 10 bucks if you put these all in a ranking for me. Um, no, we, we have uh, some people from the club who will be participating in that. So people like um, myself, esteemed painter John Vanas, paint judge. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> we've got some guys from the club who will be around because they're either the ringer or they're there to kind of help out or hang out. Um, and I usually rope one of them. And so people like our friends, Jeff, Jeff and Peyton, Peyton yep. who are, yep. 
lifelong fantastic painters. Correct. You know, I yeah. pulled them in to help with the paint judging. Yep. Uh, which takes a little bit of the pressure off me. Um, yeah. So that, that's uh, that's how the paint judging. So that's the the, goes, the yeah. judging again. I it, you get it. You you get a ranking basically. Um, so the system in my head for how this works is rather than trying to assign points to the armies, what I really want to do, like, I don't actually do this physically, but in my head, this is what's happening is I'm actually just lining them up in a row and I'm kind of shuffling. Is this one better than that one? Yeah, this one's a little bit better. And I flip those two, right? Until I get everything kind of in an order that feels left to right, like it's kind of the best to the worst. And, you know, I will say we haven't always as, as a tournament placed the premium on, you know, your, your paint score um, compared to like where that lands you overall, like we have done last year and this year, but we have always taken paint judging very seriously. And there have always been a handful of dedicated paint judges who are people who have you know, the portfolio of work to kind of, you know, they have the credentials, right? Um, and we know that painting can be subjective, but it's something we always like to bring in those different opinions because something, you know, that I value might not be the same as what John values, but we, oh. we, we reach a consensus. And we've always done something where we place armies into tiers. So we, it, it started out with five tiers and then kind of moved down to three. So that is still happening when you and Jeff and Peyton or whomever are looking kind of the first pass. We look at armies multiple times, right? So the first pass is like, is this the the high tier, the mid tier, the low tier? And then within right, that exactly. tier, within the high tier, who's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, right? Within that mid tier, who's sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know? So there is a lot of thought and um, work going into the paint judging. So, and, and yeah, it's always I, I an mean, open it is a little subjective. You know? Right. It's, it's a little subjective at the end. I mean, somebody's deciding, and, and a lot of times it's not even necessarily on technical ability. It's it's about, well, some of it's technical ability, but it's also the about effect, presentation yeah, and the presentation. It's the effect. Did the, did the effect work? Did you make? Did you choose good colors, and then did you execute painting those colors well? Right. Um, and generally, like the the top and the bottom are usually pretty straightforward. It's the it's the crowd in the middle. It's super hard. complicated. Yeah. Like it, it's hard. pretty straightforward to look at the best three armies in the room and be like, well, those are the top three. Now I have to, de- or top five or whatever. And then I have to decide like which one's the best of the best. Um, right. That's, that's pretty easy. And pretty much on the, on the, on the bottom case, it's usually pretty straightforward too. You know, there's, there's some armies that are just not painted very well and that's okay. Um, but I can usually pick that one out and be like, well, that's, that's the worst. These are the kind of in that range. It's the middle where people really did do a nice job painting their army. There are some, maybe they're, maybe some of them are inconsistent. Like there's really nice spots, but there's some spots that were um, not done to the same level or the color choices were great, but the execution was not as good or vice versa for that. And, and those are much, much harder to judge in terms of what is uh better what is objectively better right. than the other one right. but this, so the the goal is to put them in that order and um yeah it leaves it leaves me with a, a challenge but it's, it's a fun challenge um and uh i also like to provide feedback so yes. yeah i know there's that. been many many examples of the unplugged gt over the years of people coming back and being like hey john like i know we talked about my army last year or my paint score or whatever and i did these things like what do you think about it now because you, you gave me these right. suggestions so like 
and that's really cool to see. And it's also one of the cool things about the way you do paint judging is it's open and it's, you know, hey man, come here and give me some give me some pointers. Give me something that I can do for next year where I can get an extra an extra point or two. Yeah, the, right? fr- I mean, the first two years legit. we actually wrote um we wrote feedback. Uh there were three paint judges and we were roaming the halls and each writing our own sheets of feedback and then we would at the end after we you know announced the results we gave those sheets and what we learned which is similar to you know life of myself and those of you out there who are teachers you (laughs) you write all this feedback you give it to your students and three of them are like thanks and they look at it and the others are like no i don't need this right and they throw it in the trash so we're like oh we don't have to write the feedback because not everybody wants it but we're always willing to provide it those who do Yeah, and that that's that yeah. that is not small. I mean, I've, I've been to tournaments where it's like it's super secret. You get your score, and you don't get your score until you're driving home. And by then, it's like, sorry, the paint just doesn't give a shit. Take it easy. <laughs> Good luck. Know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I right. really enjoy those conversations that I have with people about the the technique they used or didn't use or thought about but didn't go with or hey, I was thinking about making this change. What do you think that would do for it? Um, right. And I also really like seeing the progression of people over the years as well. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years now, right? So I've I've really seen some people grow, other people change styles Mm -hmm. and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, not, not to, not to, you know, pimp my club, but I'll tell you, Drew Casertino is a perfect example of that, right? Like back when he was playing Warhammer, he was like, I'm playing, I'm playing War is Chaos and this uh, Hell Cannon is blue. (laughs) <laughs> which means I gave it 72 washes of blue and now it is blue. And you're like, sweet. That's, that's, yeah, that's a thing. thing. Yeah. Yep. Right. And now like he, he won player's choice at, at dead a winner with his, that's uh, awesome. Nolger list. Right. Nolger just, yeah, stuff. just, it was so cool. So well done. And you can just year by year, you can see the progression he made, you know, it's just, and it's like anything. If you value it, you put time into it and then you get good at it, you know? Right. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So that's how, um, you get your ranking for paint. Now, how do you get a ranking for sportsmanship? Because uh, and that, that uh, one, I think perhaps even more than paint is often like everybody just gets the max score unless you get dinged you now. And only a couple people get dinged. So how do right. we, so how do we break it down into first, second, third, fourth, fifth, etc.? In the light of the other two categories being raw competitions, right? You're in straight up paint competition, bring your best stuff. Cause you're right. going to, you know, you're getting a ranking with everyone else. Same for battle. You got to show up and put your put your work in on the table. I think of sportsmanship in, in this system here as a battle. You are you are in a battle to be the coolest bro in the room or lady yep. and uh, and have the most fun for yourself, but also for your opponent. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't. You know, and there's some. There's some gaming to that as well. You know, some people are really like goofy and animated and that might rub some people the wrong way and other people might really enjoy it. And so there's a little bit of like how you read the room, but also how you be courteous with um, the way you move your units Mm -hmm. and the way you play a clean game Mm -hmm. and the way you're generally friendly. Like you don't have to be egregiously jolly and uh, high-fiving and and fist-bumping all over the place and stuff. Um, but you do have to read the room a little bit and understand where your opponents are at. And so you're going to rank your opponents with your favorite game to your least favorite game. And those are going to go into a, you know, a back-end calculation to who was the most fun to play against down to the right. 
least unfortunately someone had to be the least fun to play against and that right. doesn't necessarily mean doesn't mean they're a bad anybody sport. doesn't mean you're a bad sport it just means right. you might not have been as good as the other people in the room which is exactly what happens with battle so you, it's not yeah it's not like a it's not a ding against you just because you lost all your games right. <laughs> i i gotta tell you that room is is also the toughest from a sports standpoint it's, at the end of the weekend i'm always like i gotta rank these are you killing are you killing me no. Yeah. Right? Like everybody's a five out of five. How do I rank mm -hmm. these? Right? I can't, you know, it's it's very hard. That's right. The, that's the yeah. crowd. And that's yeah. when Mike starts Absolutely. opening, you know, greasing the palms a little bit, and that's how you get your sportsmanship ranking. Everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. That's the method, right? No. And well, there's how many milkshakes of, uh... can I buy you, sir? <laughs> right? Sixty four ounce milkshakes for, for everyone. For everyone. <laughs> It's just a stomach ache in a cup, and I'm going to buy two of them. I know it. I know I am, right? Uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, it is. It is always a room too, and there's some fan favorites in the crowd for you know um, who is up for winning those those sportsmanship points. Um, but you'd be surprised. There's some you know some newcomers out there this year. So we've got I think probably about a good six or seven people on the roster that I've never even met. Um, oh, and who, who knows? Uh, they should too. come out and uh, shock your pants off. Yeah. Sweet. So, so yeah. I... So the scoring system is unique. Um, uh, I hope it's fun. The The point is to encourage it to be fun. And I think it's done that in really encouraging it to be a lighthearted event and not super over the top competitive. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I really feel like people are coming out here to play and have a good time and not necessarily to win, which I think is a awesome just community kind of atmosphere. Yeah, I, I, I do love, I, I don't know, man. I love your GT. I love, I just love the crowd out there. Right. I, it's fantastic. I love yours too, Mike. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> while, while we're bro loving here. Um, they grow yeah, so, so fast, don't they? Right. So if you want to come to the unplugged GT, um, you can get in touch with me by emailing unpluggamers at gmail.com. No spaces or anything. Oh. Uh, you can look on unpluggamers.com, the website. What did I say for the email address? Unpluggamers at gmail.com. That's the gmail.com. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hope I said that right. Um, yeah. Like I said, we've got a few spots left. So let me know if you're interested in coming. We will make that happen. So, yeah, please do. It's going to be awesome. One other uh, thing taking place at the GT, which uh, we've referenced now a couple times, is the charity raffle. So I want to yeah. uh, give full scoop on this. Um, and I will tell you that everything I, I'm about to go over, if you want to read in more detail and you want to see pictures of uh, the miniatures and stuff, go to dash 28. Um, and you will see my article on there, which is titled Support Charity, Win an Armada Fleet. Okay, so dash 28, Support yeah, Charity, yeah. Win an Armada Fleet. So... Uh, here is exactly what you get for uh, entering in this raffle. You get four Northern Alliance ships, which are the three that come in the Northern Alliance fleet starter, and then the extra large ship that I mentioned, the Northern Alliance bus, boost, however you say it. Um, you're also going to get four um, custom-made uh, card and token holders for those four ships, which I purchased on Etsy from a gentleman in Portugal 
who presumably has a laser cutter. Uh, and they're very nice. I put them together. They have uh, space. You'll see pictures of this on the um, Dash 28 article too. They have space to put your card, to put any uh, tokens that are relevant to the ship. I've never played the game, so I don't know exactly how it works, but there's space on there. And it has a dial, which I think indicates the speed at which your ship is moving, whether it's anchored or moving uh like at regular or full speed ahead yeah like kind of thing yep mm -hmm. um so you get those and then you're also mm -hmm. going to get armada essentials box which is a new release it comes with a neoprene mat to on which to play the game an armada rule book a punch board pack which has different uh tokens and uh terrain elements to throw onto the mat and then has the dice pack so this means even if you are someone like myself who's never played Kings of War Armada, you could win this raffle and now you have everything you need. Or if you're a seasoned veteran, you have another ship to add to your fleet and you have an additional mat and tokens and rulebook, which you can either uh, make use of or maybe uh, donate to a buddy who's going to now play the game with you. Um, so everything right. that you need is there. This is... A, let me do a little math. This is a $215 value, what you are getting if you add up uh, the MSRP for all of these items. And the ships are coming painted. So, you know, add to whatever value you, you place on that. Yeah. Add that to the list. Um, and as I did mention, um, I am willing to get this uh, this prize out to anybody who is interested. So obviously, if you are attending the GT, I'm going to be uh, encouraging you to purchase raffle tickets. If you're somebody who's not <laughs> attending the GT, but you are in our Northeast Kings of War community, I'm going to be encouraging you to buy raffle tickets. And I would link up with you uh, sometime in the future if you're not at the GT to deliver your prize to you. If you are not within my uh, normal region, few hours drive from each other, and I'm gonna say uh, you are more than welcome to purchase raffle tickets and have a chance to win. I will ship it all off to you and and pack it as um, safely and securely as possible with that caveat that because the way the sales join together, you might sustain a little damage on the way but it, it shouldn't be anything that you can't repair. Um, it's a storm at sea. It's a storm at sea. You know, you've got some super glue at home. You'll be fine. So I really want uh, this to be available to more than just the people who are attending the GT, right? Um, so again, go to support charity win an Armada fleet on Dash 28. Now, what is the charity that you are supporting? Let's get into that. Do so 100% of... The proceeds, all the raffle tickets, you know, that I sell, it's entirely being donated to the Connecticut Center for Children's Advocacy. Um, this is, I, I know the tournament's in Massachusetts. I'm located in Connecticut. So last year and this year, I've been um, selecting different, with my wife's input, um, different charities and nonprofit organizations in Connecticut. So this is, I'll link the... Um, got the link for you to this um, website for you to look at on the article. 
but it's a nonprofit law firm which fights for the legal rights of Connecticut's most vulnerable children. Their mission is to protect and promote the legal rights of Connecticut's low-income children and youth so they have equitable opportunities for good health, a quality education, and a successful transition to adulthood. And you can read about all the good work that they do on their website. And they do have a platinum rating um, for uh, nonprofits. 92% of your donation goes directly towards providing programs and services for youth. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's a really good cause. You know, um, we take this seriously with, you know, your your donations. We want to make sure that they're going to something that is going to have a good impact. And I thought last year um, that that worked out beautifully with uh, the Hope After Loss Foundation, another organization here in Connecticut. And this year, I'm really excited to be supporting uh, the Connecticut Center for Children's Advocacy. So, hey, Greg, how much? Yeah. How much did we raise last year? So last year we raised $1,250, which was awesome. Um, and I think we set a really high bar for ourselves. And that was, you know, open to people at the GT. And like I said, people who are part of our normal uh, Northeast community. So that if you won, I would be able to link up with you at a future event um, and drop off your prize. This year, expanding it out to anybody, I'm hoping that we can surpass, you know, what we raised last year. Um, but every donation, whether we get a total of $10 or a total of $10,000, I would be through the moon. Um, tickets are $10 each. So you're welcome to purchase as many as you like. And I'm old fashioned, so I'm literally writing name writing a name on a raffle ticket and dropping it in a bucket, right? And so if you purchase and <laughs> tickets, you'll get 10 of those with your name on it, thrown in the bucket, you know, um, swirl it around, pull out a name at the uh, conclusion of the event when we're doing the award ceremony. Uh, if you do one, right. you know, you'll get it one time. So the more you purchase, the more opportunities you have. And like I said, it's a, it's a really good value. You have a, $115 worth of product plus however much you value my paint job <laughs> uh, on the line. And all of your money is going to a really important and really great cause. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited, right? I mean, just, you know, I was so happy and impressed with, the, with how much you were able to raise last year that, I mean, this is going to be amazing, right? Yeah. And yeah, we're really... Smart. I, mean, I was just going to say, super smart of you to include not just the shifts, but also all the other stuff to like play the game. Like that's that is that is total value added. Super awesome. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing to win. I want it to be open to everybody. So because I know like last year it was a Kings of War army on the line. So obviously everybody who plays Kings of War, that's something you would be interested in. You know, if you're like me, I haven't played Armada, but I've always thought it looked awesome. And so this would be, you know, if you're in that position, you haven't played the game, but you've heard of it, you know, there's folks in our community who already are playing, you want to get involved, this is an easy way to do that, you get a painted fleet, and you're off from there. If you want to add to it down the line, go for it. Uh, if you're content to just keep it at the size it's at and, and use it every once in a while, there you go. So cool. Awesome. All right. Oh, I think we uh 
I think we did the thing. We we recorded a yeah. successful episode. Um, yay for us! <laughs> yay for us! We recorded an episode. So we will. Oh, is, um, is that a little much? Seems like a little much. <laughs> we will kick it out, you know, to the third and final recording that Mike did at the pilgrimage. So, and uh, we sign off. You will get to listen to that, and then we hope awesome. to. See all of you, as many as we can, in person uh, at the Unplugged GT and, and hear from you uh, next month when we wrap up and, and dive into some other fascinating topics. So thanks again, as always, for joining Absolutely. and supporting uh, our 91st episode of Unplugged Radio. Yeah, buddy. All right, guys. All right. Take care. Be well, everybody. Later. Is it working? The answer is yes. All right, cool. Um, uh, this is Saturday night at the pilgrimage, and I am here with... Ken Ferris. Uh, Jeff Treich. And Mike Atkins. Wonderful. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that everybody that listens to this podcast knows that, at least all three of these fine gentlemen, but uh, let me get some of your bona fides, because you guys are pretty well known everywhere, but just in case you haven't heard, Ken Ferris is the... I'm the current Australian master, but I'm also known as that guy who's accompanying Jeff on this tour. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've won three of the Australian masters and a couple of the international ones, so I suppose I'm known from that. That's amazing. And Mike Atkins is known for? Uh, probably Dash 28 stuff or uh, my tournament Vanguard GT. Nice. See? Everybody's, we're all internet famous. It's pretty great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, so, uh, Ken and Trace, you guys came across... Uh, essentially 12 time zones to come and play Kings of War we did. Yep. here with us, right? Um, how has it been so far? It's a nice open-ended question. Go wherever you yeah. want, right? Yeah, uh, it's been awesome. Really enjoying it. Uh, played about eight games mm. of Kings of War so far in three days. <laughs> That's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> pretty knocked up, uh, like tired from the jet lag, etc. But uh, yeah, just loving it. And my first thing I said to Ken is we've got to come back. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, sweet. Really enjoying it. Yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome, awesome week. It's not even a week. Three days? Four days? Yeah, how long, three, I don't know how long, I don't know. How long we've been here for. Three days. It's pretty, we're pretty tired, but it's been awesome so <laughs> far. Um, you know, really good games with really nice people. Everyone yeah. with it's been awesome. So, um, yeah, it's been really good. And far more straight spirits in a tournament than we've ever seen before. Yes. Yeah, really? Like we were saying before, like, it's pretty hot in Australia. There's lots of beers and cold beers, but the amount of scotch and whiskey that is floating yeah. around this tournament, I haven't seen that before. That is that is a staple, I gotta tell you. I mean, that is that is my, anyways, my thing. Um, all right. We drink like adults. Right. <laughs> yes, we do. Pinky out, right? All right, so uh, so you guys, you, you came here, every, every, every nation, every place you go has a, not just a meta, but also like a way to, you know, the, the standard way to play, right? Yep. yep. What have you guys noticed, if anything, in the differences between the where you guys are and then like here, here on the east coast of the United States? There's no, I wouldn't say there's any difference in the, the play itself. Like everybody, at least all my opponents so far, have been completely clean, completely open, um, and sort of no hassles or dramas on, in any game in any way. The main difference, and I'm not sure if the pilgrimage is indicative of that or not, is the list. Yeah, there's, there's a few differences in the list. They're far more elite than we typically see in, in Australia, but maybe that's because we generally play 2,000 points most of the time, and you know, two, three hundred here, people are going to take the toys. Right, mm. right. It, it does lead to different list construction, 
right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Things I've noticed is things like dice being on angles. Um, in Australia, they'll always say it has to be flat. Mm-hmm. Where here, it can be an angle, but say the fours facing upwards, they'll take it as that. So it's just a matter of getting used to it. I'm, I'm so used to saying, oh, now I'll just re-roll it. And, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is everyone's happy to, if you forget to do something, they're happy mm-hmm. just to say, yeah, go ahead and do it. Yep. Sure. Uh, so it's, I know it, at our masters, we had a rule that you don't get any ta- take backs at all. So if you forget something, that's your fault. Wow. But that's, yeah. in, that's in that rule set for the tournament, so you play by it. Sure. So my biggest thing was just asking people, oh, okay, how do you do it? What's the yeah. normal thing yeah. so that we can run with you guys? Right. You know, yeah, on how it's done. Yeah, I'd say the, the normal tournament in Australia is, you know, is more relaxed, probably more this standard. But you know, at our Masters, it's a case of saying, you know, this is called the Masters. It's, it's not bad sportsmanship not to give a take back, it's bad sportsmanship to expect your opponent to forgive you for your mistake. To us. Sure. You're on the clock, you're doing everything properly, you're trying to win a Masters event, you need to play clean and you need to play properly. In, but yeah. you know, the typical one day tournament they'd be having in Australia for sure, it'd be like, yeah, all right, you forgot to do your region, you gotta do it. Like, yeah, there's no that's, dramas with that kind of that's thing. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm finding the tournaments more like a relaxed game that you'd have at home sure. with some friends. Yeah. Right. Which is great. I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually the standard vibe. To be honest, I mean, Mike, when we were at the Masters, every year we've been at the Masters, it's been that way, right? It's like, I've always like, no problem, dude. It's not going to affect anything. Go ahead and do your take back. It's all good, right? Yeah, like the, the U.S. Masters is this weird paradox of, like, the most competitive room and somehow the most casual room yeah. in the country where you will play because everybody's just kind of happy to be there. Everybody's happy to see each other. Uh, you know, it's, it's 64 people from all across the country. That's the one time a year that everybody gets to see each other. Yeah. Um, so it, it feels a little bit more like a family reunion. And it's like, oh, yeah, sure. So like it, it's a little casual to the to the list, though. I, I, I will say that for the U.S., I think the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic, we tend to have a more elite meta than the other parts of the country. I know uh, the further south you go, the heavier the shooting gets. Um, the further west you go into the Midwest, you get a lot higher drop armies. But over here on this side of the mountains, we tend to have a lot of like elite shooty or alpha strikey type armies. Although mm. we're seeing a lot of defense six wall. This, this yeah, weekend. <laughs> yeah. Dwarves apparently have have, uh, have made a comeback here, right? Mm. In the big yes. scheme of things, the thing that I noticed is that um, for this year, at least at pilgrimage, there are I think six forces of nature armies, mm. and five of them are very similar, yes. right? And then there are five dwarf armies, and four of them are very similar, yeah. right? And so they, there's a little bit of sameness too. You know, even though there's a bunch of people who are all playing like the same 1800 points is the same and it's maybe yep. slightly different around the yeah. fringes you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah but do you guys find that where where you guys are in the tournaments that you go to do you find it like if you're can, if you roll to a table it's like oh Varinger so I know most of what you're gonna have in the list right is that you know, this is the basic construction no, or is it very pretty, pretty wide variety of this constructions and list options taken in Australia compared to here yeah. and um, you know I, I you, you know I've I'm on the record of saying, you know, if, if you could take it this legal, you shouldn't be complaining. Everything is balanced and pointed pretty well here, but I've never seen a three tree hurdle list ever. I've never, <laughs> right. And there's, yeah, one, there's two or three of them here. Yeah. You know, you know, there could, would be a lot of raised eyebrows with some of the lists. Right. So it just, yeah, I think we sort of set our own uh, limit on where we'll go on things. Yeah. It doesn't, like make a, it, it doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just we just set our own bar and if someone sort of goes past that they tend to get heckled a bit sure by i mean it, the community right it's a it's a it's a self-governing community yes. right you yeah. know what i mean yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want to be that guy 
That's yeah. when you roll up. Right? Yeah, I guess I guess most of our, our stronger players wouldn't take something like that. So the person who's taking it would be a, a new person going, oh, wow, this looks great. This would be good. Yeah. There are ways around some of those lists as well. Yeah. So if you're taking that, you're suddenly that guy and you're not winning. <laughs> when you hit the good players, you're probably going to self-regulate and not take that next right. time as well. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, but, you know, in saying that, every list I've played would be completely at home. Sure. In Australia, I haven't played any of those those lists so far. Yeah. Like right. I've been, I've thought every list I play has been really good. Right. Yeah. 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 As far as list variety in Australia, you could go to three different tables with, say, all Trident Realms or Varangar or whatever. Most likely, every one of them will be different. different. Quite, yeah. quite different. Gotcha. So yeah. It's yeah. Very little. The halflings. At Clash, the halflings were kind of similar. They were all taking uh, the same, because, but they were all new, so they were navigating to. Yeah, they were yeah. sort of navigating to what. what yeah, there was still a lot of variety stuff, in yeah. there. Some cer some certain things will be taken in every list. Oh yeah, and that happens. No sure, I mean, it's yeah. the, there's only so many you've cavalry your, options. There's only yeah, so many right. infantry options. Right? Yeah, yeah, you've got your stable things. Like we're both running Baringa, yeah. we're both running Mounted Sun. So I don't right. think you would find one without. Yeah, them. but why would you? Yeah, you you, yeah. you put Mar yeah. That's what you do. Like yeah. that's going to be in it's there. It's one right? of the reasons although, you take Baringa. Although we've both got Night Raiders, and we've never really taken Night Raiders. Before the last six months, I have. I've, I you use them all year, yeah, on yeah. and off. Sometimes I'd use Dragger, sometimes I'd use Night sure. Raiders. Sure. Yeah. Oh, Night Raiders, whatever they're called. So, Night Raiders, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I do have to. I'm, I'm going to poke a little bit. Yeah. Yep. So Ken, when you introduce yourself, you said I am the. I am one of the people that is in the shadow. Yes. Of, of Jeff Trace, right? So is that is that legitimately a thing, or are you just busting? No, are you no, busting was, the stones, right? What's what's happening? There, there were two podcasts. Um, that happened before we came across. One of them was a US podcast that I'm not too familiar with, and they were saying, "Oh, Jeff Trace is coming across, plus some other guy." That was that was a direct quote. <laughs> plus some other guy is my right? favorite, right? <clears throat> right. And then yeah. in the Australian the Australian podcast with of Countercharge, I'd talked to Matt after I won Masters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He interviewed Jeff after Clash of Kings, and he Matt was just going, "What? So Ken's just there, Jeff, to carry your bags?" And <laughs> wow. All this sort of stuff. So yeah, that, that was that was the comments being It's made. a bit of an in joke, really. It's an in joke because sure. I, I said that I was Jeff's secretary because I yeah. normally organise our flights at accommodation yeah, when we go. Right. So. He looks after me in a lot of ways because I'm not very good technically. Sure. And he'll do all the bookings and do all yeah. that sort of stuff. So right. It's more. So yeah, now I'm his, now his secretary. And, uh, Ken is yeah. your handler. Is essentially yeah, what it is, right? right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I'm just that guy. Sure. On the other yeah, guy. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I do have to share a story with you, Ken. So one, one of my club mates, I think, I, I, think I'm a, I might have mentioned this to you, Jeff. One of my club mates was playing you on round two. And, oh, Harry. Uh, yeah, Harry, yeah. right. And so it got to be like turn four, mm -hmm. and he's in, his, you know, he's in his head, and he's like, I'm winning this game. I'm winning this game. Oh, my God. It's, I'm winning against the Australian I'm winning against the Australian master. And I'm winning against the Australian master in turn four, and it's on, it's on video. Yes. I have proof that this is happening. And so it was like, it's happening, right? And just get like, and then of course, you know, and then everything kind of fell apart. But whatever, like for a moment, for about 20 minutes, he was yeah. like, you're the best, all the rest. So right? have you found, like both of you guys, you come over here and it's like, oh, they can't. I mean, yesterday I showed up and both of you guys were playing games. So the minute I showed yeah. up, I left, I yeah. came back, we were still playing games. Yeah. Is this one of those things where everybody kind of wants to get a piece of you two while you're here? Is that what's going yeah. on? Yeah, you're Jeff. Well, I sort of look at it as a thing. Uh, while I'm here, I want to play as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And 
sort of uh, for Marcelo. He's brought us over here to mm. play games, so right. anyone that wants to play, I'll play. And I love playing. So, sure. Yeah. You know, so, right. uh, yeah. Whereas I, I don't get as much practice as Jeff does normally, nah. so this is Kings of War overload for me. Like, And I can't even change my list and try something else. Like, I'm just playing <laughs> the same game over yeah. and over again. Right, but, right. But it's also an indulgence. Like, I... I don't always get the time to play at home, I, you know, family no. and all that sort of stuff sure. and work. I don't. I, I actually find it easier to go away to to Melbourne to a tournament where I'm away for the weekend and nothing interrupts me than to play in Sydney and have to get home on the evening and sure. the family thing. So this is just like an extended crazy period of yeah. of playing King. So I probably won't play Barangar after this. No, you <laughs> burnt down all right. Yeah, I get, I get list envy very mm. quickly. Sure. Yes. Oh. As soon as the tournament finishes, I've got people playing me on Monday yeah. and Tuesday while I'm here. Yes, uh, right. Yes. So, yeah, they're already booked in. But um, I'll be changing lists straight away. Sure. So I'll do that. something. Marcelo's got just about every army. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. It's pretty great, yeah. right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. You've got a very full dance card. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. so yeah, we, we do have a lot of new people here in the region because we've had a lot of growth in the last couple of years. So when you guys talk about like maybe newer players gravitate towards similar lists, that could be part of it. I know a lot of them came from uh, other games where, where maybe like net listing is a little bit more of a thing. So, so right. maybe they're trying to figure it out by like, I'm going to take the list that I had the most trouble against at the last tournament. Yes. So it consolidates a little bit. That might be so much going on. Right. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if there's anything else uh, that you guys have noticed that's different about, like, I mean, the way we s- score them, uh, the schedule, the layout, the the food, um, anything yeah. else cultural about the way the game is played, anything that we call something differently from, from what you guys call it in Australia, okay. just... Yeah, I think, well, first off, I'm not sure if this pilgrimage standard is normal, but... And Marcelo has put on an amazing tournament. The food that he's organised. The food is amazing. The food is just yeah. right. next level. Is so um, the venue with plenty of space and yep. you know beautiful tables where you've got st- base all around and like so all of that's been great. There's a lot of time, like 70 yeah. minutes. Like we that's we're playing long. we're playing yeah. 1995 yeah. 2000 sometimes with 55 minutes 50, sometimes yeah, with 50, 50 to 50 sure you know so sure. so two three hundred with 70 minutes like that that's an eternity yeah um, although I'd say that. The Australian standard usually was, you know, sort of one day, four games, 1995 or 2000. Okay. As we're moving to three games, we're now moving up to 2300 a little sure. bit as well. So I think that's going to become more mm. common um, coming coming forward. But, yeah, outside of that, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, like you said, it's more 2300 over here is the norm, isn't it? Usually, and I think yeah. in the UK as well. Yeah. yeah. So then they're more 2300. Some of, some of the guys were telling me that there's a tournament coming up here with it's like 2665. 20, 2600, yeah. 2665. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, <laughs> I would love to play. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's pretty great. Or Tess, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. You know, I think, and the funny thing is, if you're playing that size, I think you can play that size in 70 minutes. Yeah. So you could follow the time schedule today. You it's no problem. You'd have, you'd have easily, an extra, an extra unit or two tops, and that's it, right? And yeah. I think people often go, you know, 2,300. Oh, if you play 2,600, it's going to put off new players. It, it, it's one model. You know, put in one time. Go borrow a giant. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. I think we could play the bigger games, and I think mm. new players would enjoy. You know, you get to take all the toys. Absolutely. And, and see what works. Right. Yeah. yeah, they do also run a lot of 1995 uh, tournaments yeah. in Australia. In the Northeast, we yeah. like 1995 yeah, a lot. Yeah, I like that. I like that size. Two of things. Yeah. Yep. 1995, yeah. 2000 for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a person who loves taking three of things. So. <laughs> <laughs> three is a magic number. I don't mind. I don't, don't mind if it's 1995. There was one in Melbourne that was, uh, I think it was like 1,500 points 
for the first three games, then two thousand for the yeah. next three, and then the last two were twenty five hundred. Right. That was that was really good. So there's a really tournament that's that. going on right the same weekend out in Canada, um, out in Ontario. And uh, they're doing it the opposite. It's called the March of Death. So okay. you start the first day with 2,300, and the next day you have, I think, like 1,800. Okay. Right, as, as your army takes attrition. It's like, ah, okay. Right. But, it's got to be a subset of your But it has to be list, a subset right? yeah, yeah, of yeah. the first oh, list. You wow. can't have a new list. You just have to, I lose these units because they're dead, and these are the ones that are left. Okay, that's Right, cool. which is, which is yeah. you know, cool list construction, yeah. you know. Just makes you think when you're putting your stuff together. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Um, I got a couple things. What do you got? So, uh, first... I'm curious if there are any uh, like widgets or tools or things that you guys have seen that yes. haven't seen in Australia that you're like, that's clever and I really want to yes. take that oh, back. Yes. And the other thing I'm curious about is like the general hobby level that you guys are seeing here compared to mm. like what you guys are used to in Australia. Yeah. Oh, okay. As far as widgets go, I've, <laughs> the staircase. I, I'm known the for the, yeah. stair, the staircase for hills. Oh my God, I've got to go and print some of those. Yeah. We've been giving um, everyone we play uh, a little, you know, 45 degree angle, but it's six inches and the six inches are ruler. Yeah. Angle. So yeah, I'd say yeah. like, yeah. I've That's never sweet. seen anyone else do that. And I, I do that for the tournaments that I run in Australia. Mm. Um, but the thing I've noticed here is that everybody's got a 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, yeah. 18 yeah. stick to check the measuring. And yeah. that, that's probably getting a, a bit more common now but everyone here has yeah. a, everyone here has a set of those. Yeah. And I think I'm going to have to go and get, yeah. get a set of those. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just laughing because I, I, at, at the Australian Masters, so I do that 45 degrees, 60 inches. I said something crazy at the start. I said, I wish I could give everyone in Australia my patented six inches at 45 degrees. I just went, hang on, that didn't come <laughs> wow. out. Wow. I'm like, that didn't come out as I intended it to come out. Are we not doing phrasing anymore, right? No, that's right. And then everybody just gave it to me for the next oh, I the bet. weekend, which, which is fair enough. But <laughs> And then, but yeah, just the little, and then the really tiny little angles for the, the corners as well. Yeah. Nice and thin, laser cut. Yeah. Um, Probably need to yeah, those are great. Too, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're probably the main ones. Yeah, a lot more have the base sizes that they can move around mm -hmm. as well, well, the, well that's, which is yeah, really good. And that's, that's picking up in Australia too. Yeah, yeah. All the bases that, and, yeah people and do it, have it, yeah, yeah. but I felt a little bit um, awkward not having it. And I said to a couple of people, I said, look, I've travelled as light yeah. as I could. Yeah, a lot right. of my stuff is at home. Right. You know, so I went through my bag that I take to a tournament and whoop, whoop, yeah. whoop, mm -hmm. don't need this, don't need that. And so, yeah, felt a bit, bit, bit hopefully naked. I wasn't taken as doing anything dodgy, you yeah, know, no. like mm. do all the measurements, check with them that it was okay, etc. So, oh, but yeah. as far as hobby goes, I think it's a higher level here, oh. but there's a number of people in Australia that are very high yeah. level sure. as well. Yeah, I'm I, talking for myself. I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not. I haven't gone and looked at every single army so far. I, I, I would say the standard is pretty equal. Okay. Um, I think in Australia there's a bit more variety. Like I've seen, there's probably a few more, you know, relatively, you know, not yep. poorly painted armies, but people, you know, you're just putting it together to paint the models. They're not really invested in it. Right. But there's also a really high percentage of just artwork armies in Australia. Whereas over here, I'd say the, probably the average, I would say the top and the, the ceiling and the floor is bigger in Australia, but the average is probably higher here. Okay. Would probably okay. be the way I'd describe sure. it. The so other thing that, is you have more display boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Display boards. That's not a thing in That's Australia. not a thing at all. No, really? No, yeah. Not a, no. You that's might get one or two occasionally yeah. at a tournament. Sure. Although that yeah. said, 
at Clash of Kings, there was a halfling army that had a display board that had a speaker in it that was playing the Hobbit music from That's the Lord yes. <laughs> coming out as well. And I was like, and then there was another one with a smoke effect or something uh, as well. It was yeah, like a little yeah. smoke machine. I was just like, yeah. whoa, this is getting next level. That is cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, so they are very good hobbyists out there. Mm. Sure. So I'm just not one of them. Yeah, no. <laughs> Neither am I, <laughs> just so you know. Um, good. All right. Um, so one of the other things, that if you've listened to our podcast, we do a lot of like, book reviews and stuff because we're yep. great. What are you guys reading right now? Is there any recommendation that you would give? Is there one book that I that you would want me to read? What would it be? It's, oh, it's so funny you said that. I'm, I'd started a new book on the plane over here. Yeah. Um, the Brandon Saniston Way of Kings. So I okay. haven't read yeah. any of his stuff apart from when he finished The Will of Time. Okay. Um, so I started reading that and again, I'm, I'm sort of a quarter way through the first book going, this is really strange. Like, where is this going? I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm, I'm still reading that. So that, that's been good so far. Sure. Um, you know, as far as recommending, you just re you recommend the classics, don't you? Game of Thrones and right, right. <laughs> you know, all, all those sorts of things. Um, so I, I do have to say, if, oh. you're, if you're reading Sanderson, yeah. uh, read Mistborn. Because okay. that, that trilogy is done. And then yes. he has another uh, four mm. books afterwards that are set future in the timeline, but mm. that is also done. Okay. Right, so you can just get the whole story, be done with it. The yeah. Way of Kings, he's still writing those. I think yeah. he's going to write those uh, forever. So well, I'm, he finished I'm waiting. The Wheel of Time, so if Robert Jordan could die, he could finish them, then I'm sure he's got somebody lined up. Well, I would hope guys. he does. I totally hope he does, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Oh, The Wheel of Time. Uh, I know. I love Series 1 of the show, though. That was awesome. Sure, I I, agreed, right? Um, if you're going to read a book, Interesting enough, the book, I'll give you two books by Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers and um, We're Talking to Strangers. I love those. They, they are unreal books. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Outliers is amazing. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. Outliers is an amazing right. book. Tracy's got no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> My only reading's been the big red book. <laughs> wow. This is what happens. Single-minded. Yeah. Single-minded. That's, that's yeah. how you become the number one player. That's yeah, right. I play too much in that read. Fair enough. All right, well, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really no, appreciate no, it. Appreciate and best it. of luck tomorrow. Yeah, cheers. Thank you yeah. so much. You Love got it. Awesome.